Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. And Mike is not here right now because he's in the bathroom. Hopefully making a number one. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be a while if he's... Do you remember the... I'm going to talk to you guys like like you're here. Do you remember in the movie High Anxiety with Mel Brooks, where he's at this very important... Um, Mike, I'm telling I'm telling a story to the to the good people of the internet. <laughs> I want I like stories. All right, so do you you, do you remember the movie High Anxiety with Mel Brooks? Um, it's the I, one that's a spoof sh- of all the Hitchcock stuff. I'm ashamed to admit that I haven't actually watched it. I am no. aware of it. I'm a big Mel Brooks fan, obviously, but no. Uh, all right, but so go there, on. he's a he's a psychologist, and he's giving a he's giving a speech at this very important like conference, and he's talking about. <laughs> um, He's it's he's talking about like there's a technical term for it, but like uh, you know how kids and their um, like might have issues with um, going to the bathroom and what that might mean. And he's getting into this very sure. technical stuff. And as he starts to talk about it, this guy walks in with us with clearly with his daughter, and he's like apologizing. He has this little kid with him, so Mel has to change the way he's going to say it. And he says, "So uh, it's very important to determine whether the child has an issue with." Uh, with uh, number one or Aki Duty. That's what he calls. So I was basically wondering whether you were making a number one or an Aki Duty. <laughs> well, Given the, the speed closer. with which you returned. Yes, right. It was liquid one way or the other. So uh, when you get to uh, when you get to the age of 50, sometimes you just kind of have to kind of get the, get a quick squirt out and you'll be all normal <laughs> That's again. Great. Yeah, something to look forward to, kids. Yeah. Um, all right, so I, 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 just remember this crap. And we are going, we are, we're back to the Cubs, and it's fortuitous timing because baseball's lockout ended just hours ago. Now, not, probably not when you're listening to this, but certainly when we're recording this. Wow. Uh, and so we are back to the Cubs, and we were going to be spinning the wheel of crap. Now, how many teams, how many of these do you claim we've done? 14? So... Yeah, it's been a while. I got to shake out the cobwebs because I guess for, you know, any, I guess, you know, consistent listeners who have been waiting with bated breath since last, what, September when we just sort of dropped it uh, and focused on other activities. Uh, like uh, Well, on the Bears. Why wouldn't you big, want to focus the on the Bears? We went out on a high note, of course. So if you're somehow joining us now and would be at all curious about how things look from a you know 19 year perspective the last episode we did was the happened to be the epic 2003 cubs which uh again if you know you could run it side by side with the godfather one and i'm not sure which one would end first but uh it was uh we it felt like i gave birth it was kind of an episode i was frankly dreading just because there was so much there uh but i was happy we did it and uh, you sort of reinforced how much like you know as we said how much fun that season was and yes it ended awfully but i think we put it in its in its proper place and then we put it down for a while and went to the bears so, yeah it's i don't remember off the time i had how long it is it's two and a half hours i think but it is it's the most listened to remember this crap and almost a hundred percent of people who listen to it listen to all of it that, is a, that is a thing that gets measured. That doesn't mean they, you know, you don't have to sit down and listen to it over one. You can, pause, 
and come back. That's still part of the same metric. Listen to it in the car. Anyway, to and back from work, and it might give you two and a half days of listening pleasure. That is still measured as one full listen if it takes you, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, wow. So that, I think, uh, that's a... uh, an endorsement of its quality that people well, now like, fuck this. I'm not listening. I'm right. this. Well, well, now I'm curious how many seasons or like, of all the seasons that we've done, which by the way is 14 uh, of the, I think what 39 uh, or, you know, whatever, but how many um, lasted the shortest? And I'm, I'd be curious to know. <laughs> Probably 97 people, people listen to about three minutes of 97 and we're like, the, Oh, I can't was, take more of that. Well, I'll take it because that was our very first one. I did the wheels. Actually we get, um, fell on 97. We, we have very high retention on all of these. Okay. Good. To, good to know. Um, so yeah, so before we spin the wheel, I was supposed to talk a little bit about, uh, baseball's lockout inning. And we could remember this crap about, did you remember that Wade Miley is a cub? I had forgotten it until I saw somebody tweet it today. How about know. Jan Gomes? Did you know Jan Gomes was a Cub? I probably did because as soon as I heard the Cubs signed him, I immediately recalled the fact that, and a lot of people, I don't know, seem to immediately recall this, and it doesn't mystify me, but I will definitely tell you that the very first thought that comes into my mind that after the madness, and I, I, I think I may have talked about it on an earlier podcast, uh, in the madness that was the Rajai Davis home run that, of course, was just a mouse fart in the wind, you know, after all, that when things were on a high wire and after the home run, I think Chapman had still given up another hit, maybe to a Brandon Geyer or somebody. But then Jan Gomes comes in and I think maybe drew a ball and then started swinging it like shit that wasn't even close to being a strike and basically got himself out and calmed the situation down. And I was grateful for the absolute offensive ineptitude of longtime backup catcher Jan Gomes. So I don't expect much from him, obviously, but I'll, he'll, you know, no matter what, how things turn out in uh, 2022, um, I'll have a soft spot in my heart for Jan Gomes and his, uh, you know, in the aforementioned ineptitude. Well, and the, and the Cubs in their, in their final at bat. So it would have been the ninth inning before the rain delay. Jason Hayward somehow got on base. And stole second and third because Jan Gomes was catching and didn't have a right arm. Good call. He had I like, didn't. Okay. He had. He literally like hurt, hurt his shoulder during the season and he couldn't throw. <laughs> and so, you know, I know, Jesus. I know backup catchers are an afterthought, but you know, you're in the World Series and that's what you got. And of course, you know, not to make too fine a point on it. It was five years ago, which, you know, could make us feel, you know, different feelings for other reasons, but yeah, can't imagine, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to get a whole lot more out of Jan Gomes, but again, you know, because of, because of the, his shittiness from five years ago, he's going to get a little bit of a pass for me. That's funny. I didn't he, so he couldn't throw and he couldn't hit. It's great. Well, I mean, there are people who think that the reason the Cubs signed Jan was so they could trade Wilson. It just think the, the the hits keep on coming, Andy. Yeah. There was a picture from spring training of the you know like the players had their little uh, what did they call the one? Remember in ninety during the strike in ninety so spring training of ninety five when they started late. Oh, oh, they had a they had a thing at Homestead, and and the, it had been dest- remember Homestead famously got destroyed by Hurricane Andrew, like Homestead okay. City and near Miami. 
I kind of remember that. Well, they had rebuilt apparently the baseball fields, and they had the ML the player association had set up like a camp there for the guys to work out since they couldn't go whatever. Well, the the player association has one in had one in Florida, and they had one at some complex in Arizona. So the, they they fund their own yeah. out of their so union can funds. Work out. So the players and you know, now starting tomorrow, they can actually go. They can go back to, to their normal real places. facilities. But somebody had took a picture yesterday of four Cubs working out. And they were tiny little Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner, Jan Gomes, and Patrick Wisdom. And I wrote in the thing, uh, they had combined, I think I got the math wrong. They That, that quartet combined for 42 home runs last year. <laughs> 28 of them from Patrick Wisdom, 14 from Jan Gomes, and none from Nico, who was, hasn't hit one since his rookie year. The very and then the Madrigal very... couldn't even play. Not like he would have hit a home run anyway, unless he hit one on the ground well, somehow. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I'm not here to comment on the current Cubs because I'm just not as in touch with them. But I, it seems to me that uh, th- there's a there's a potential for redundancy between Horner and Madrigal. Uh, we all, of course, ho- hoped Horner would be fantastic. But is it not true? Like that. Did, he had like a double off the wall, like on the very first game in the COVID season, and then supposedly never barreled a ball, and or hasn't since. <laughs> I mean, you yeah, know. I, I didn't understand the you know the Cubs had the the biggest, the most valuable trade chip at the deadline last year, and regardless of how he pitched for the White Sox, Craig Kimbrell was the the biggest thing you could get because he was pitching well. He was a closer. Those those guys have a tremendous influence in the postseason. And the Cubs cashed it in for, uh, I will say his name wrong. Cody, I think it's Hoyer. It's spelled Hoyer. E-H-E-U-E-R. Like, Ooh, I so be- it's like, be- like right. just like right. Jet, except spelled completely different. And he has since caught Tommy John disease. Correct. I heard just heard that. And tiny little Nick Madrigal. And it's like, Nick Madrigal, that would be fine, except you have a taller version of that in Nico. You have an adult-sized version of Nick Madrigal already. That, that you drafted. Right. And who, you know, other than the fact that he gets hurt all the time and it can't hit a home run, is a pretty good player. Like, no, you're right. If he's at second base, you're fine. What the fuck did you need another one for? I think so. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not here to, fu- and to dismiss Nico entirely because I will, you know, he did some things down the stretch for that otherwise dead ass team yeah. with all those veterans that yeah, felt, he's a and, useful. He's fine. He's a useful player. I just don't know why you needed to like the mini me version of him. Right. But that's fine. Like Watch, I, said, I say all these nasty things about Nick Madrigal and he'll probably hit 380 this year with a 381 on base and yeah, a 364 and, slugging. Right, and the Cubs will win seventy nine games. Well, not once they. I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm gonna, I don't want to date this podcast. People will be like, I can't believe you guys are criticizing because hours after the podcast, the Cubs signed Freddie Freeman and Carlos Correa and made you both look stupid. I'm sure that's going to happen because now the Ricketts, the garbage family, can't spend their money on Chelsea because that whole sale is being held up. They were going to give four billion dollars by a, <laughs> just from a disgraced Russian oligarch. Um, and with the CBTs going up, they're like, they're, they're all, they're still sure. like $120 million under the lowest threshold. They're probably just going to be s- splashing cash all over. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and sure and yeah, in happen. our, in our faces for even, you know, daring to, yeah. you know, be somewhat cynical or negative, but you know, we've got a lot of experience. I think that somehow has, you know, shaped our ideology. So fuck off. If, if you don't like it. 
All right, well, let's let's give the people what they paid for. Let's bring up the wheel of crap. And see where we end up. Let's do it. So now, for people who oh. don't know how this works, we have a wheel, a fake. It's a it's an actual. I mean, it's on the internet, but it's a wheel, and it has and it it had originally every season from nineteen eighty or eighty one. Eighty? Eighty. Eighty. Did we do eighty? No, we might do it tonight. So get your Herman Franks on if we do. See it on the wheel. You see it on the wheel? Uh no, we might have to call IT. I thought we went eighty one. Maybe I did it wrong. I think I thought No, dude, the only season that I can tell you this and I've got I'm I'm looking at my own handcrafted uh uh Excel doc here. I've got uh the only the actual only year in the nineteen eighties was nineteen eighty nine. So There should be every year from 1980 to 1988. I, I think there. I went to my first game. I got my first game in 80. I can tell the hands easily story. And if not tonight, then. From 1980 you know. to 2000. We quit at 2011. Never going to top Mike Quaddy. Why would you yep. even try? Yep. It's 39 years. Well, it just seems stupid to get much closer than that because then it'd be like, hey, do you remember stuff that everybody remembers? That's not fun. So Right. Right. Yeah. If you're here for uh, World Series Remembrance. You'll have to wait. We got to let that age. All right. So now I, I will admit I do a crap job of taking the years off. So if we spin this and we land in a year, we've already I'm done. On it. I'm <laughs> on it. We have to re-spin. We've done it before. We've you know we also try not to do adjacent years. So technically we shouldn't be doing 01 and 02, but we've already done 01. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Man. Oh Jesus. All right. All right. All right, everybody. Shave your eyebrows and your hair and your hair off. We're going back to Mike Quaddy <laughs> and the 2011 Chicago Cubs. So, Mike, what do you remember, your five quick things, about the 2011 Chicago Cubs? I'm not even going to be able to do this. This is the very last season that we're talking about, which I've already admitted before. I It gets really gray after 2008. So I'm just going to make some guesses. Maybe we could turn it around a little bit uh, and do a true or false. But I'm going to say in 2011, it was uh, Derek Lee's final season as a Cub. I could be wrong. Uh, 2011 was um, Brian Dempster's last full season as a Cub. You already mentioned Mike Quaddy, so I'm just going to say that that was his uh, one full season. I feel pretty confident about seeing it. Okay, 2011 so, so far you're, you're two and one so far. Two right, one wrong. Wow, okay. And then uh, also in 2011, I'm just going to throw this out there because I have no idea if this is true. Did Darwin Bar- did Barney uh, win a gold glove? Probably not. And uh, I'm failing here, but if I can come through the last fact about 2000, I will say I'm pretty sure it was Aramis Ramirez's. Uh, uh, I'm just going to say Aramis Ramirez, thankfully, was still a Cub in 2011. I think that's he true. Was. Thank was. you. Oh, For the entire I pa- season. I passed the test. Right. And I think into the next year, I think Lee may have gotten true. Lee got traded midseason. We can hash it out. So but he clearly, Derek clearly got traded in 2010. He got traded to the Braves, right? I think 2011 During, he was Derek Lee and Derek. I believe in 2011 I was wrong he was playing about that. for. I believe he was playing for the Pirates. And then he retired right after that season, did he not? Pirate, I think he, he did. He played for the Pirates and went fuck this. I'm done. <laughs> it's happened to a lot of guys. You would have thought he was a Detroit Lion. Yeah, so the two you got wrong, it was not um, not Derek Lee's final season with the Cubs, and Darwin Barney won the Gold Glove in 2012. Just finished, off by your eyes. He finished right, seventh right. in the uh, National League Rookie of the Year voting. In wow. 2011. That was the year okay. there were only seven rookies in the National League. 
It's a weird, weird statistical anomaly. Right. Everybody's like, we're not calling anybody up this year. And the Cubs are like, I mean, we got, look, I've got this little guy. We need him. All right, fine. So Darwin Barney won a gold glove in his second major league season then. All right. I consider me informed. Um, was was that the year that he – it had to be the gold glove year, right? When he was um, – he should have broken Sandberg's errorless streak. I thought he did break or he it. he did break not? it, but the streak ended when Anthony Rizzo just didn't dig out a ball that he always digs out of the dirt. And I'm kind of cool with that. I don't hate Darwin Barney, the old Oregon no, State Beaver, hate, but how could you hate cute little Darwin Barney? But yeah, like so, he wasn't yeah, a we're terrible he, player. He just wasn't a really good player. Well, he did win a Gold Glove, you know. And so, if he's got a mantle somewhere, there's a there's a big ass, you know, bronze. Excuse me, Rawlings uh, sitting there. So yeah, um, I'm looking forward to actually being educated tonight because this is definitely Achilles' heel territory for me personally. Well, do but... you remember who played first base for the Cubs in 2011? He replaced yeah, I, yeah. I, I, what's his name? Uh, uh, um, Car- Carlos Pena. Carlos, right? the handsome, the handsome Carlos Pena, who played, uh, who was a big part of uh, when Pusateri and I did the Moneyball um, movie deep dive. I remember that. I remember that. Yeah. Art, Art, Howe, Art Howe and uh, Billy Bean have a lot of arguments about Carlos Pena. He is portrayed. Art wants to play film. him, and Billy does not. And that's when they go with, with uh, Scott Hatterberg yes. then, right? Which is kind of ironic. I mean, Hatterberg was a was a more productive hitter than Pena. He, okay. But later in his career, Pena would basically be one of those sabermetric guys who his overall stats, like he always had a terrible batting average, but he normally had a pretty decent on base and slugging. Yeah. So he would end up, he ended up being one of those like undervalued guys that Billy was looking for and traded him away. Because he didn't want Art Howe to play him when he was a rookie. As checked out as I was in 2011, and I make no bones about it, I do seem to recall that Carlos Pena, I would have thought, he actually had a statistically good season for the Cubs in 2011. That wasn't bad. He had, wrong? he had 28 homers, 80 RBIs in 153 wow. games. He had 225, 357, 462. Um, struck out 161 times and walked 101. So That's pretty good. You know... I, I almost feel bad in the sense that uh, do you recall do we do any does, does anybody recall how good of a defensive first baseman he was? I only bring this up because he was an excellent, yeah, right? Because so I, I kind of feel remiss here, and you know, and 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 I'll rectify, I'll do my penance. It's Lent, all right. I'll I'll make good here, but we, you and I, of course, have talked ad nauseum about how for all of the uh, uh, generational suffering that the Cubs have had uh, in center field that we've been treated to some very exceptional play at first base, you know, beginning with Bill Buckner and Leon Durham and Mark Grace and Matt Stairs. Uh, Der- Derek Lee and, and the 2001 Matt Stairs. <laughs> Matt Stairs. The <laughs> and, Nick Madrigal size first baseman. And I think it's, and of course, uh, the aforementioned Tony Rizzo, but I think uh, it would be uh, unfair to not. Uh, and now Frank Schwindel. And tonight, right? And his, well, no, no. Frank Schwindel <laughs> and his fry, and his frying pan, the excellence of first base, and the, right? And the frying pan, because I'm very strong defensive uh, uh, aspect to what I'm referring to here. So Frank Schwindel and the frying 
his hand do to catch the dig out balls and Frank and you know Fred goddamn McGriff can go sit out you know sit this out. Right. I'm gonna defend Frank Schwindel because Carlos Pena is belongs. This is I know this is true. I have a source with the Cubs. They confirmed this. If you remember what, about the time the Cubs uh, and we did a did we did a podcast on this right? Didn't we run down all the Cubs Hall the Cubs Hall of Famers? We, we indeed we did every last okay, so one. that they unveiled that not long after the trade deadline. And what they did in the they have an exhibit that goes with it, and they have Frank Chance's old first baseman's glove, and they thought it would be a nice tribute if Frank Schwindel would use it for the entire season, and it doesn't have a hinge in it. It's basically like uh, trying to catch a ball with like a a pad folio. That's the only reason that he's such a terrible first baseman. This year, give him a real give him a glove that actually like right. bends. He'll be great. I like it. Right. And, you know, props to Frank for trying to respect tradition. Well, but, I mean, he's the yeah. first, first Cub first baseman named Frank since Frank Chance. He felt like it was it was his duty. I somehow suspect that you're bullshitting me, Andy. <laughs> no, no. That's a completely I cannot, true. I cannot I'm going to have Crane on the podcast next week. I am frantically, in my mind, uh, trying to file through any first baseman. Oh, Frank. Frank. Did they have I the other have, Frank Thomas ever? The, we, had a, we had a Francona, I believe, that played first base briefly for the Cubs, but uh, that would be a, a surname. That would be not future a first Hall of name. Fame manager. Yes. Terry Francona. A, a future Hall of Fame manager, no less, who would have been exceedingly more Hall of Fame had his progression continued but for games five, six, and seven in twenty sixteen. Because up until that point, yeah. Terry Francona had like a what a like a like a eight and two World Series record and two championships and I think some they had ridiculous winning streak and now that I'm because pulling, they, I'm pulling they, this they, stat they, completely out of my sw- ass. They swept I, in 04 and 07. I'll tell you that right now. I believe that that until the Cubs won game five, six and seven a Terry Francona coached managed team had never lost a closeout game in a playoff series. That's they had never, they had never been on the verge of eliminating a team and not done it. The only times they'd lost in the playoffs are when the other team got ahead of them and they never, they never had a game to win. And you're talking strictly in the world series, right? Well, I know it's a, I know it's true in the world series. I think it was any playoff series ever. Well, that that if, if Terry's nuts. team got got to where they needed to win that game to win the series, they won it. But even if it was just the World Series, it's a pretty cool fact because yeah. who wins more than one World Series? He won two with sweeps, so they obviously closed them out right away. And then, so yeah, until so that would mean that until Chris Bryant uh, in Wrigley Field that Sunday night turned it around, he had never lost that game. Um, so didn't mean to stare it there, but you know we. That's what happens, and his his last name is Francona. It's not his first name. His name's not Frank. He did play first base, Terry Francona, and he did play first base for the Cubs. And he was a decent glove man. I remember more as a pesky Montreal Expo before he was a Cub. Um, nevertheless. And uh, so, yeah, Carlos Pena belongs in the pantheon of great Cubs first baseman, even if he just did it for a year in a very disinterested season in which the Cubs are in a major transition. So you got any more Terry Francona facts for us? Uh, I was trying to look to see. It's, I'm not going to figure this out. There's too much. Because uh... you look him up as a player, though, 608 OPS. Not, not as good as I remember. No. 
He did have an 828 for uh, the Expos in 84. He seemed pesky. He seemed like, ah, frustrated. Like a Michael Dreddy here, you know. That's uh, a comp. Probably. I wonder if he's down there. That's just off. T- that's just out of my ass. But, you know, he was like a, you know, we had Bill Buckner who was not, I think you and I had brought that up, that Buckner was surprisingly not high walkie, but like was just like a, a really – Good hitter, good first baseman. Like Francona seemed like a poor man's Buckner, but that's an insult to the late great Billy Buck. Because God, f you, Terry Francona. He's a minus three WAR. I'm done talking about T- Terry Francona. We're not talking about the 1986 Cubs. Who was the uh, opening day right fielder for the twenty thousand to the twenty thousand? The two. That's a lot. <laughs> in the that's year twenty five. Twenty five. The twenty eleven um, Cubs. He was a huge free agent signing at one point. Jesus, I want to make a, a really educated guess, but I've got so many blind spots with the post two thousand eight world. I, I don't want to waste. Well, he was a two thousand eight Cub. He was a two thousand eight Cub, and he was still on the two thousand eleven Cub. Was yep. it Jack Jones still playing for the two thousand eleven Cubs? Oh, why would Jack Jones? Oh no, still okay. Yeah, you're right. Huge signing. We thought we were. He played 87 hunt. games for the 2011 Cubs. And then, what did they do with Kosuke? Did they, they cut I, him? I think they cut him. I, I'm here to learn he a few things. He ended up on things. the White Sox, right? He may. I think so. I'm, I'm here to like maybe learn and maybe appreciate a few things about Kosuke that I just ignored because I was so checked out. Because oh, no. I he, got, didn't... he got traded. I didn't know this. By he the got Cubs traded the... to the then Indians, now Guardians, for the great Abner Abreu and Carlton Smith on oh. July 28th. Then he the... was a free agent. He played uh, 2012 with the White Sox and uh, got released during the season and signed with the Yankees and then got released again. And would you believe that as of last year, Kosuke still playing in Japan? Still playing? <laughs> I think I saw that. So how old is he? He is 44 years old. He will be 45 next month. He's still playing in the Japanese league. Well, yeah, might Good as well talk Kosuke. about might, might as well talk about him a little bit because it's yeah, it's not. He was on the 2011 Cubs, so I, I wouldn't have guessed it. Uh, I, and he has because uh, we did have the. We, I'm sure we talked about him when we, we the wheel did fall in 2007. So kids, if you're curious, you know, search. All right, well, I talk about Kosuke in 08, and that was a great, great Lou right, yeah. bar scene at the right. end of the season that I was privy to. And I'm sorry, yeah, he was not on the 07 Cubs, so I'm talking out of my ass. That was we did, we did do 09, so we did do a Kosuke season. Uh, we haven't done 08. 11 was his last year. And I, I don't even know if I could put it in proper perspective, the Kosuke era. It, you know, we did talk about the 2007 season, which was actually a rare season in which it they sort of progressed from a good team to a better team, which wasn't really they kind often of progressed the case. From a- Ugh, team to a pretty right good team. because Lou and we talked about it. Lou had to de-dustify yes. the uh, clubhouse for a few months. Well, and, and he had they could never find us. Well, you know, they well, we can't turn into the 07 pot again, but they had signed Soriano to play center, even though he'd never played it. And but, that, yeah. clearly, that wasn't going to work. So they moved him to left, which screwed things up because they had they were trying to go with an outfield of <laughs> Jock Jones, and Alfonso Soriano, and Cliff Floyd. So then they ended up with Jock and Cliff both trying to play right field, and then they ended up with Jock playing center because they could never find a center right. fielder. Ugh. 
Which is, you know, of course, an age-old issue. As we oh, they probably still had Matt Hurt back floating around, right? Was he on 07? No. Um, yeah, he should have been mm. because he led the team yeah. in hits and batting averages as a rookie in 06, I want to yeah. say. Um, so maybe that was what it was supposed to be. Merton with Jock on the bench. That's probably what it was. And then that basically right. that screwed Merton because Fonzie was going to have to play left. Okay. And where else was a slow redheaded guy going to play? Who somehow managed to get a lot of hits, but never hit a like hit a ball so seemingly softly somehow. Like it just never really seemed to. He was Gary inspired. Scott with better luck. That's a good call. He for the longest time, I remember writing about this. He had he went like three seasons in the big leagues where his average was never for one day below three hundred. I think he brought that up once before, and then it was, <laughs> and then and then it stayed there. But uh... so yeah, I mean back to Koske. Then like uh, we we are not going to talk about opening day because that we'll talk about that when the wheel yeah, falls right. in two thousand eight. This is on the other end, so that yeah, but we can kind of still put it in perspective. He, he did make a splash, obviously, and it was at a time when the Cubs were good and ramping up, and it was like holy shit, like you know. Uh, we, we went, it was, it was the sort of, in retrospect, it was a slap together fantasy team, um, that was just ill-conceived like you've already alluded to about the whole positional, you know, uh, configuration in the outfield, just trying to make it work. And we have, in fact, I I know that we have on previous podcasts talked about how John McDonough just came on in and made that signing and just forced Jim Henry to, you make it work and configure it. The 08 Cubs, and this is the remnants of them. Still around in eleven. Totally is, yeah. Karate, the, yeah. Sam Zell basically said, "The team's for sale. Make it a winner. It'll sell for more." And he let McDonough and Henry have money, and that's when they got Soriano and Ted Lilly and Jason Marquis. They basically and Daryl Ward, the great Daryl Ward. They filled all their holes with free agents, and then you know they were made the playoffs in 07. They went. They were they were legitimately good in 08, but gagged away the playoffs thanks to our favorite Canadian. Correct. And then that was over. Like in 09, we'd done 09, right? We did the Kevin Gregg. Well, in 09 is. Florida. In 09, right. We did 09, and that was the last official Tribune owned season. Right. We're actually. Yeah, the sale went through in September of 09. The garbage family took over. Right, we're actually covering a record season, so you know it's completely within uh, within the boundaries to rip on them um, tonight. FYI. And then in uh, the second season. And then in ten, Lou basically said, "You know what? Um, I think I think I have to take care of my mom." And he just bolted. And that's relevant to this because the Cubs handed the team over to everyone's favorite alopecia victim, Mike, the the hairless Mike Quaddy. And the Cubs played well for Quaddy. It didn't mean anything. The season was over. Wait, in twenty ten or twenty eleven? In twenty in twenty ten. After Lou took off yes. to he was, when hey, take was care of his mom, which is a euphemism for float in a pool with exactly. a drink on my Well, pocket. he was keeping an eye on mom, but. Well, easy to do from the pool, like, you know, underneath her apartment. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, yeah, we. Yeah, the tw- um, we're not. Re- yeah, so Quaddy <laughs> took over with 37 games to go, and the Cubs went 24 and 13. Wow. And guys like the aform, we referred to him, we didn't call him by name, but Ryan Dempster basically went to Jim Hendry and said, that's our guy. You should hire him. 
and I and I think because the Ricketts were basically at a point where they weren't sure what they wanted to do long term with the team, but they pretty much knew that Jim Hendry wasn't what they wanted to do long term with the team, were fine with the idea of him hiring the interim because chances are they're going to kick both of them out at the end of the next season anyway, which is exactly which isn't even what they did because they. Um, Hendry doesn't make it through the whole 2011 season. Is that right? They fire him before the draft and ask him to stay on for the draft. And so he does. He runs the draft and he has like his one really good draft with the Cubs, which includes just like, just like Jim Finks. Exactly. It's the same parallel. Jim Finks. (laughs) Wow. But that's Javi that's Baez, the Javi right? Baez. Yeah, yeah, that's the Javi Baez draft. Absolutely. That was that's wow. Well, who else then though? I mean, is it his best draft because of Baez, or were, were there a couple well, other let's, nuggets? Let's see. Certainly, our friend Arismendi Alcantara was. was All right, so they get their first round pick draft. was Javi Baez. Their second round pick was Dan Vogelbach who they then turned into the guy who got the save in Game 7 of the World Series. Alongside Orville overall and Joe Borowski and Cubs lore. So that works. Uh, Then they got Zeke DeVos, Tony Zich. Maybe it's only going to turn out that it's going to be good because of Javi. Uh, Taylor (laughs) Scott, Neftali Rosario. How about this? Seventh round pick, Wayne Gretzky's son, Trevor. Boom. Uh, let's see. Did they get anybody so, good? Sean Dunson Jr. within the 11th round. Still didn't make oh, it. Oh, God. I mean, we, we like Fel, Fel's favorite Cub, Dylan Maples in the 14th oh. round. I mean, he made it. He, he made it to the show, and he actually showed shit, but all he did was just, you know. Yeah, this draft is very much just Tommy. But you know what? The, the sad thing is, Andy, you're probably not wrong. That might be one of Jim Henry's best drafts. You know, I mean, it's not quite Jimbo Covert and Willie Galt. And, well, you let's know. see. Let's see what his other first-round picks were. Richard Dent. So, Hendry took over in – he took over when they fired Ed Lynch in 2002. In the middle – In the middle – 2002? The, another t- – no, 2000. Another season in which they oh. fired a general manager in the middle of a season. Oh, that's right. 2000. Ed Lynch was fired. And then there was a, like a one and a half year Andy McPhail technically in charge until Henry, until the whole like uh Grudzelonic uh, Hundley trade, which was really Henry. And then they're like, all right, we're not going to, you know, pretend that it's not Henry anymore. So okay, somewhere so, around there. So Javi's going to end up being the second best first round pick that Henry ever made. So, so since 2003 or four, you're talking for well, Henry. What year did you say he took over? Uh, officially 03. Oh, okay. So he's the best. You're um, going to go with Bobby Brownlee? Is that what you're going to go with? I was going to go with Bobby Brownlee. Well, there is another guy you could go with, but he didn't. He didn't oh, Pryor. No. His... So so Pryor was technically an Andy McPhail, because that was after McPhail. Okay. Well, you're confused. Was... What year What year did Jim Hendry take over as GM? Well, but that's the thing. It's like it almost does it's all fucking hard. It all circles back to how this fucking whole franchise has been for the most part for 40 years. But there is a period where it, it, Andy McPhail was that was clearly the president of baseball operations be, beginning in 1995. Ed Lynch was his general manager, and Ed Lynch was fired halfway through the 2000 season and was not replaced but for Andy McPhail having to officially be the general manager. Okay. Oh, yeah, in two thousand? No, no, but it was two, it was no. it was two thousand two. Ed Lynch got fired in July of two thousand two. Um, 
Oh, my McPhail, bad. Ma- McPhail my bad. basically was the acting GM for the rest of the season. But Henry was doing the job. And then he got to officially do the job in 03. Okay. So Lynch basically got fired when Don Baylor got fired. Is that what you're saying? They, they exactly did. They were The Cubs were in Atlanta because I distinctly remember McPhail popping up in the booth. Um with Chip and Steve to explain what the hell was going on. Okay, so that figured that. out. 2002. Well, we, we thought, you know, Andy, I got to tell you, as a matter of fact, it was still uh, July July 19th, 2000, that Ed Lynch was fired by the Cubs. I don't mean to split hairs, but I well, just... Then this, what the fuck? Wikipedia is wrong, then. Promoted general manager on July 5th, 2002. Click the link I just dropped. I mean, it's, I don't know what that is, but okay, CBS so, so McPhail must have been the acting GM for a year and a half. Correct. Okay. Until basically the I always thought Monica he only finished trade. that one season. But th- there was like a gray area. My point is there was like a gray area where Henry was really the, you know, the, the Tom Hagen, like, or whatever, like the, the, the wartime consigliere, like, like Henry was calling the shots, but it wasn't official until shortly after the Grudzalonic trade. So it's a little bit subjective, but it was clearly McPhail from like mid 2000 till the end of the 2001 season. Let's say, I don't mean that. Well, it looks like if he, if he got named the GM on July 5th, that means he, he technically wasn't the GM for the 2002 draft. Which means right. he doesn't get to take credit for the four first-round draft picks the Cubs had. Luke Haggerty, Chad Blasco, who else we got? Bobby Brownlee. The aforementioned Bobby Brownlee yeah, and Matthew that. Clanton. I don't, they're going to oh, restock they, their oh, pitching staff with those four guys. I only vaguely remember Clanton. But they but all, then, in, uh, also, then in 2003, the, the first Hendry draft pick is a perfect one for him. Ryan Harvey. Ryan Harvey, who went to Jim Hendry's high school, Dunedin High School. That's also where Brian Dilpiric went. He was big so on rep- drafting guys from his own high school. Right. So the Cubs went from a general manager who would who would like bring guys on if he was familiar with their uh, fathers who are also major league baseball players to guys that went to the same uh, school that yeah. he went to. Okay. Harvey was the sixth pick in the draft. I don't even want to look. Because it's because what, what Hall of Famers went after him? Because I'm sure because the no, you got to look it up now because the 2002 Cubs sucked major ass. They had a high draft pick in 03. and yeah, Ryan Harvey. I don't believe ever he certainly never played above Double A, and I'm gonna guess he didn't play more than 50 games at Double A, which is like insane for a six or whatever. I mean, he played know, 207 maybe. games in Double A. Oh my bad. But he never, never made but never play, played any higher than that. All right, he, so in the 2003 draft, let's see. I want to see them all. Here we go. Um, oh, yeah, I should have remembered some of this because it was when I was in Beloit, and the second pick in the draft was Ricky Weeks, and he immediately came to the snappers. You've talked about that. Um, Delman Young was the first pick to the, to the Rays. It was long before he started. He threw bats at people. Wait, um, can you help um, edify me? Dalman Young was is or is not related to Dimitri. Young. Dimitri's little brother. Little brother. And remember, okay. Chip Chip Carey said he was Dimitri's son. That's what. That's what it is. That's what it was. I yep. knew there was. Not just a typical oh, familial connection. Dimitri must a, be so proud of his boy, his son Delman and. Steve's like, I actually, uh, actually, that's Jeff Betts is his little brother. That's almost like Joe Buck asking Tony Womack's uh, wife uh, how she <laughs> felt about it. Hey, see, we saw a guy who shot your mom. She was really excited. That was my wife. Oh, 
Oh no, that's good stuff. So Delman Young was the first pick to the Ray, to the then Devil Rays. Ricky Weeks to the Brewers. Kyle Sleeth was the third pick to the Tigers. He never played the big leagues. Tim Stoffer to the Padres. This was not a good top of the. He made draft. the bigs, baby. S T A U F E R. Yes, right. He pitched the big leagues, but the next two guys did not. Chris Lubansky, pitcher for the Royals, and Harvey. And then after that, some guys you've heard of. Uh, the Orioles took Nick Markakis. The Pirates took future Cub Paul Mahalam. The uh, Rangers took future White Sox John Danks. The Rockies wow. took future Cub Ian Stewart. Ooh. The Indians took Michael Aubrey. Lastings Millage to the Mets. Uh, let's see who, is, who actually was good. This was a bad draft. Yeah, that's an you interesting almost, mix. You almost get None to give... Henry almost gets a pass because nobody yeah, got. None I mean, of those guys was great. pretty good. Well, Markakis is like a, a sort of a long hauler. Like he's almost in this, he's almost in this uh, Starlin Castro category of like almost being able to somehow play long enough to get close to three thousand hits, but never being anything close to a Hall of Fame. So I would say the first superstar taken this wasn't taken until the thirty-second pick of the first round. There um, is a superstar in this draft. Yes, you're saying yes, Matt Merton. Oh, of course. There's nobody. Jared Salt. That's the best. No Hall of Famers. No, no. Uh, even, the, like, I think the best player in what was technically the first round. It's going to be a coin flip between Nick Markakis, who's not that good, Nick, but it's hey. okay. Peddled, he had a good, long, productive career, and Adam Jones, who was the last pick of the of the of the compensatory picks, and that was to the Mariners before he got traded to the Orioles. Uh, Nick Markakis, by the way, I guess he's done. His last season was the weird COVID year. He he finished with with uh, 2,388 uh, hits, which is a lot more than most people would have probably guessed if it was a, you know, a trivia contest. Okay, so that was 2003. 2004, the Cubs didn't have a first-round pick. I'm, let's see. I might even tell me who they lost it because they signed. Uh, oh, Greg uh, Maddox? An aging... Uh, um, no, I doubt Maddox had at the. No, he they pretty didn't sure the really Braves had anybody. refused arbitrate, did decline to get offer him arbitration, so he wouldn't. They traded for they traded for Derek Lee. Um, yes, yeah, so that's not it. You just can't trade draft picks. Nope. Uh, let's see who they sign. Elsie. Um. Okay, two thousand five. Mark, I never knew how to say his name because he never made it. Mark Pawlik, yeah, from Notre Dame, or is that Grant Johnson? My bad. Mark yeah, Pawlik. Mark Pawlik was a high school pitcher from P A W E. Yeah, another boss. It's incredible. I got a Mark, big Mark Pawlik fan in the house. I still can't believe. Uh, well, even Nick Markakis is a. Th- DraftKings, the Casino Queen Sportsbook, is officially live with mobile sports betting right here in the Lincoln State. To celebrate Illinois going mobile, new customers can bet just $5 on any team of your choice and get $200 in free bets instantly. It's that simple. How else are you ever going to turn $5 into $200? And you can do this anywhere. Head down to Wrigley and sign up in front of the marquee. Take a selfie in front of the Jordan statue at the UC. Do it from your couch in your house. Just create your account. You could sign up right from the palm of your hand and get free bets instantly. 
Head to the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and features, including same-game parlays. It's safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app now. Use promo code POINTLESS. Bet just $500 on any team of your choice and get $200 in free bets instantly. It's that simple with promo code POINTLESS. This week at DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. So remember that remember that promo code, POINTLESS. 21 and older, Illinois only, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 1-800-426-2537. All right, so then in um, – so Paul, like in 05. 06 was the, the great Tyler Colvin, who would then be oh. part of uh, the biggest trade that Theo Epstein ever made. <laughs> Wait, is that Ian Stewart? Yeah. Yes. Of course, part of the rebuild. Yes. You got to bear, bear with us, folks. It's not always going to be pretty. So Tyler Colvin went to Clemson. He was 06. He then did? 07 was Josh Vitters out of Cypress of High School in Cypress, California. Can I stop for just one second to ask? I know it did not happen during the 2011 season. In fact, I'm pretty confident it happened during the 2007 season in which it's perfectly acceptable to bring this up because we've already done the 2007 season, and I don't think we mentioned this, but I want to say that Josh Fitters was interviewed uh, like the week or month in which he was drafted during a Cubs game. And I could be wrong, so if I'm over my skis here, feel free to edify me, but somehow had uh, responded to a question in uh, some sort of a – Talking about hitting 500 home runs, or I'm sorry, home. I'm sorry, home runs 500 feet. I oh, believe okay. it was something like that. So much better. Yeah. Well, right. Like, I don't know. Probably a road to nowhere. So don't even bother looking. You know, I just felt like I just remember thinking like, "Ooh, this guy seems a little out to lunch with his answers." So that might not be fair, but well, I went to Clemson. No, that was Colvin. I was, I was talking Vitters. Did oh, you're talking about Vitters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Vitters was the third pick in the draft. He was supposed to be a star. It was can't miss Wade Boggs type hitter, except right handed. Well, that didn't happen. Oh. Uh, he was one of two first round picks in 2007. The other one is still playing and won a rookie of the year. Still, uh, still playing and won a rookie of the yes, year. So that eliminates G- Eric Hinsky. Gio Soto still around somewhere. That is the Josh Donaldson. He oh, got traded God. in the in 08 in the um, uh, shit. I can't. I can see the guy with his pointy nose. Rich Harden. Rich Harden. Uh, I was. I Chad wanted to say Dan Heron. Rich Harden. Also, Chad Godin, dumpster fire yeah. or dumpster pier. Yeah. Okay. 2008. Uh, the first round pick out of TCU. It was not Jake Arietta, but it was Andrew Kashner who would get traded for Anthony Rizzo. So that turned out pretty good for the Cubs. Right. Uh, and also part of the uh, the killer C's, Castro, uh, oh, Kashner, yeah. and Colvin. John Greenberg loves to reminisce about that little season ticket holder marketing campaign they had. You, did you get an autographed ball? Because you're a season ticket holder. I'm sure I did, but. Oh, good. 
hell if I know what I did with it. 2008. Oh, they had two picks in 08. Kashner and then Ryan Flaherty. Shortstop out of Vandy who played for the Orioles. Is he in the studio show now? I'm sorry, that's Ryan Sweeney. Sweeney. Some other nondescript just Irish-American guy. 2009 first-round pick was a, a handsome lad from the University of California who struck out a shitload of times in college, and you'll be shocked to know, struck out at a prolific rate then in Major League Baseball. It was Brett Jackson. He looked wow. like a player. He's one of those guys you could see a cu- the Cubs scouts. Not Cub scouts, but the Cubs scouts. <laughs> I'm sure Cub scouts would have liked him, too. Looked at him like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's going to be a star. Trying to light a fire. Kind of looked like uh, former up. Bear tight end and current Fox, soon-to-be Fox number one analyst, Greg Olson, except smaller. Wow, that's a good call. And I agree, Greg Olson, good, good analyst. Deserves des- uh, des- a job. And let's see. All right. So then, um, then uh, Jim Henry, only two more. Uh, Kind of the yin and the yang of his picks. 2010, they picked a a Southern Arkansas University pitcher who had um, mononucleosis. Scotty Pippen. Yes. Sorry. Pretty close. Uh, I remember draft experts at the time were like, what? Who? He had mono. Hayden Simpson. Um, Can I ask, was there not an E between the uh, D and the N in Hayden Simpson's first name? He spells it it conventionally, like Hayden Hayden Fry and Hayden Fox. Somehow I thought maybe, you know, in case I wanted to pile on. Wow. Then in 2011... On Hobby. his way out the door, Jim Hendry finally figured it out, and he took Javi Baez. So wait, I have want, to they wanted that. to take Francisco Lindor, but he went a pick earlier to the, the Indians, now Guardians. Either, either or, and they would I have been to fine circ- either way, and they would have lost. Both guys would be gone because the Cubs wouldn't have paid either one of them. So I have to circle back. Were you seeing that Brett Jackson shared a resemblance with Greg Olson? Yes. Wow. Blonde. Okay. That threw me because I, I, God, I only have vague re- recollection of uh, of Brett Jackson, and then of course that leads me to Nick Jackson, and I see. I don't know if you remember yes. him. Oh, of but... course, another guy was going to be a star. One of the, the only reason he wasn't, you know, uh, already up and, and lighting up for the Cubs was uh, injuries in the minors. That's and what they would say. Turned out that it, he just wasn't right. Good. He supposedly shattered his shin just standing and walking. So now Brett Jackson, I'm sure will will be a big part of the uh, 2012. Oh, that's right. We won't ever do a 2012 one. Correct. So Brett Jackson played in 44 games for the 2012 Cubs. How many times did he struck out? In 44 games? Yeah. C- can you at least tell me how many plate appearances he had? <laughs> he had 120 at bats. Did he strike out? I'm going to be generous here. 50 times. You are low. I was he trying struck to go out almost half of his at bats. He struck out fifty nine times. I don't even remember. Woo. And again, this comes back to my own personal blackout, which you know happened uh, somewhere between game one and two of the two thousand eight LCS and Theo Epstein coming on board, where I just struggled to really follow. I was still a season ticket holder, uh, so I struggle with it. Some of it can you know maybe come back to me, but um, that yeah. That's and so and so by mentioning Tyler Colvin now there's a whole bunch of people that are very excited that we're about to tell a story about his most famous escapade on the basis. However, I just looked it up and we have to save that for the 2010 oh. podcast. 
Well, it's still a, it must be a, a heartwarming tale that Colvin was still able to overcome because that was a late season incident. I want to say it, yeah, was it ended, it ended his season when Wellington Castillo he, shoved his bat into his chest. I guess he didn't shove it. <laughs> right. A broken Wellington Castillo shard, bat shard went into his chest and he did score. You got to give him credit for that. He finished. He he scored the run. And he, and he remained upright. The point of it is, like, I have this thing sticking out of my chest right next to my heart. Right. And, you know, in Wellington, in his defense, thought he saw a vampire. That's right. He had an alibi. So, it's on I video. mean, you know, actually awfully clever that he uses bat, you know, in a 94-mile-an-hour pitch to make, make that effect. But, you know, nevertheless... All right, so great, uh, great Cubs on the 2011. Cubs. It's full. This is a this is a who's who. Oh, yeah, we're just getting started. On, of I'm great assuming. Cubs. Um, this would mark. Was this round number one or two for our buddy? Uh, this was the return engagement of Reed Johnson. He came oh. back. Read number two. Was this uh, was it during this sojourn or the previous one when he dove and caught a a, a ball in? Uh, I was going to say RFK Stadium, but whatever. That was the, Wal- that was the previous. That was uh, that was a wait. The Walgreens Dome, yeah, and when and, he made that and, ridiculous and, and catch and bent and the brim of his up. hat back. <laughs> okay, right, and that was cool because that was the 08 Cubs who were awesome. And again, so so. Reed Johnson between 08 and 11 had already come back or yes, he's only gone for a year. Okay. Yeah. Big fan. Our good friend, Jeff Thomas from, uh, from the Netherlands, big, uh, Reed Johnson fan. He'd be sure to remind us. Uh, this would, uh, also, uh, one of my favorite things that I ever did was I convinced, uh, friend of the podcast and longtime daily Herald, uh, Cubs beat writer, Bruce miles, that Blake DeWitt was the son of Three's Company's Joyce DeWitt to the point where he had it written into a story and then had to look it up and delete it. That would have been <laughs> that it somehow made it into the paper. Headline, come and knock on my door. Uh, we have a guy on here who is uh, probably most famous for, according to our friend uh, Hired Jim Essie and Mike Bratt, went on the disabled list. Um, because he burned his butt lighting a fart in the clubhouse. Do you remember who that was? That would be, I believe, Jeff Baker, loud out maker. Yes. Jeff Baker. Kudos to Andrew Peck for coming up with that nickname once. Um, we, you know, it might be worth exploring because I know we're scratching a thin surface here, and we'll get through this. And I'm happy to get. Oh, this done is our specialty. Look, the bums are getting better as we go down this list. All right. So I'm gonna, but I just want to throw it out. It might not have happened in the 2011 season, but I think it may have. But is it possible that Jeff Baker, loud out maker? Um, once uh, hit a late in the season for against a contending Giants team. I'm, I'm scrolling through myself. I uh, hit a lead changing go ahead home run on the road in San Francisco against the very beardy Brian Wilson. Um, it might not have happened in the 2011 season, but then again, uh, it might have. Actually, I'm looking. I don't think it did. But we could save it for another time. Jeff he, Baker. Unless it happened to – he had three home runs that year. So unless it happened to the Brewers in April, the Brewers in June, or the Reds in September. He only hit three homers the whole didn't year. Didn't happen that year. All right. We will – I 
I assure you, circle back to Jeff Baker and all of his home runs. Uh, I'm sorry. You know. So okay, here we go. Here's a here's a great former Cub. True or false? 2011 was the year when the diminutive Tony Campana hit his one career home run inside the park. True he, or false? Did he do that in 2011? My deduction is that Campana, as much as he was beloved, could not have spent more than parts of four seasons with the Cubs, which. Uh, I'm just going to say no. And if, and, and if, well, if it is, then I'm pretty excited to talk about it. But. August 5th, 2011 at Wrigley field, the Cubs and the Reds. Isn't this because yonder Alonzo was playing left field uh, who also would factor in famously to the Cubs run of dominance because he went to Absolutely. the Padres and the Padres were like, well, we don't need this Anthony Rizzo kid. We got yonder Alonzo. There it is, Yonder Alonso playing left field. And then when did this happen? This happened in the bottom of the first with Starlin Castro on first base. Tony Campana hit a line drive to left field that Yonder just did not do anything. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Andy, you're saying that uh, a first baseman that, what do you say, San Diego got rid of Anthony Rizzo in favor of? Yes, Yonder was still playing for the Reds. He had was in, but he's in left field. He's in here. left field because Joey Votto was playing first base for the oh, Reds. Okay. So Yonder didn't I have a spot because the young Canadian had taken his spot at first base. So they put him out in left field, and things did not go well. Uh, he hit the home. So Campana hit his only home run off of future shoplifter, maybe maybe present time shoplifter Mike Leak. Remember that Mike Leake got arrested for stealing dress shirts, even though he was making four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. I remember Mike Leake, and I'm wondering if he's the Cincinnati Red that uh, served up uh, a home run to Jorge Soler in his first major league at bat in late 2014. But that might be that might have been uh, another Matt Latos or somebody. That's all I got. Sorry, that Mike Leake. It was a big. It was a big win that uh, that the home run helped Ryan Dempster to his ninth win of the season. Thank God. Carlos Marmol got the save. And the Cubs' other runs were, uh, let's see, what 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 else happened? Tony Campana homered. Tyler Colvin also homered off of Mike Leake. That one ended the actual stands. And that's about it. So so, so where, where are we with, uh, and by the way, I did manage to grab the Campana clip if you're interested. I threw it down there but uh, i'm wondering actually from a baseball sense where we are with the carlos marmel we we haven't talked much about him at all of course right? yeah, we, got we, the, we haven't got to the pictures at all really is this on the other side of the hill of carlos marmel i can't remember offhand. Oh, yes. 2011 oh yes 2011 is when he had a chance late in the season uh to basically strike a death knell to the st louis cardinals the cubs had taken a lead late in a game in september and Carlos Cub. came out and just kept throwing the ball to the backstop. And who's the former Cub at that point that got an unlikely uh, hit down the line that tied the game and pushed it to extra? Do you remember? Mike Against Carlos. Ryan Terrio. Oh. No, it's not Mike Lum. He was not Mike Lum. Mike Tyson? Jeff Lott. Mike Tyson. Not Tom Richie Hebner. It's not Richie Hebner. It's not Ted Sizemore. 
It's not Larry Bittner. Moment yeah, this silence. was bad, Marmel. This was pretty much on his way out the door. Ah. I, he must have pitched for him though. And did he pitch for him in twelve? Was it the? Is they traded him right? They got something for him. Uh, he got traded re- to the Dodgers in thirteen. Uh, wow, I mean, good for him to keep earning a contract. It felt like at some point he just became. He went from like, like, like they got Matt Distort Guerrier. Or oh, how do you pronounce that? Yeah, uh, Guerrier from the Dodgers, Guerrier. right? Guerrier, Matt Guerrier. He, yeah, he actually pitched for the Cubs a little bit. Maybe saved a game or two. Uh, Which oh, yeah, is... this 2011 Cubs. This is this is my club. Where do you see the pitchers? Uh, but let's see. We've got a few more hitters. Um, the 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 catcher who had the, the catcher with the greatest name in Cub history. This would have been Christmas. his. This was his third. This was his fourth season. No, this was his fifth season with the Cubs. But this was the. Uh, he played. He played in 46 games. He'd played in more games the years prior. Backup catcher. I already said Steve Christmas. What, what could be a better name than that for a catcher? Coy Dolan. Oh, yeah, Hill. of course, right. Jesus, that's right. We've good talked old, about good old Frankenfingers. <laughs> Guy who cut but, cut three fingers off his right hand with a table saw at his house. His wife sprang to action, took his fingers, put them in a plastic bag, put ice in the bag, drove him to the hospital. Doctor said, yes, we can reattach the fingers. They, She had a baseball with her. The doctor literally put the baseball in his hand while he attached the fingers so that it, to make sure Coy would be able I'm to just grip like, a baseball. Uh, <laughs> I'm picturing the doctor like pulling the finger forward and like slinging it <laughs> so the finger like sort of like, falls over the baseball. Like, okay, we can do this. Uh, yeah, Frankenfinger. Good O'Coy. Uh, it was come up multiple days. A cult hero of sorts, I think, for, you know, uh, you know, uh, Good old number a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, and still around. I mean, because we talked about the 2007 Cubs, and he was around then, and he sucked. And he, but he managed to somehow contribute to that Rockies game that Soria, he had a big hit late, and he otherwise sucked. But here we are four years later, and, oh, boy, still uh, still plowing away. Uh, we got another uh, another Anthony Rizzo tie-in here. Um, future All-Star Brian LaHare was yes. on was on the Cubs. He played first base famously um, the next season. Yes, for the Cubs was their one token All-Star, and then was immediately replaced by and then Anthony Rizzo took over first base for the next uh, decade. We brought this up once before, and I reminded you of Brian Lehare never made. played in the big leagues again. You, we brought, we talked about this before, and I brought up a tweet that you made that I wasn't able to recall it accurately. I'm going to try it again, and it was that the tweet was essentially somewhere in Lincoln Park, somewhere in an apartment in Lincoln Park. Anthony Rizzo just texted his mom to ask why his um, backup is in the All Star game. <laughs> Because he had basically, he was called up pretty much at the moment that Lahir somehow made the unlikely. Yeah. They unlikely let Brian All-Star flounder Star around in the outfield for a while, but they did okay. So he played twenty games at eleven. He two eighty eight, three seventy seven, five oh eight, flashing a little of that All Star uh, stuff that would show. Quite an quite an interesting thing. Like he's. Uh, Kirk Gibson, by the way, you know, World Series MVP, never made an All Star game 
Right. And I remember like in the early days of, of baseball reference when, you know, in the early days, right. When people sponsored pages and like, it was very, you know, you could still understand it, but they would, um, you would see right away if a person was a hall of famer, or, I mean, you still see it now. Now they, they signify it now even more pronounced, but it was pointed out in the early days of the early internet, uh, of, early baseball reference that Kirk Gibson, because he was never an all-star, never had any kind of a banner, but that longtime, you know, mediocrity of the Atlanta Braves catcher, Bruce Benedict, who happened to be a two-time all-star, had the banner. So Brian LaHare has the banner, right? You look him up, because there's still, it's not a banner anymore. It's like a, more of like a medal now. They kind of, or at least if you look at it on your phone, but. Well, Gibson was a two-time MVP, but never an All-Star, I believe. Right? right? There, don't they have a banner for MVP? Right. Okay, so that's what it was. I didn't have it straight in my head. He did not. So, so what was he, an All-Star he, one? He, he was a season MVP in '88 and '84. No, Willie Hernandez was '88. He was not a season MVP, right? Okay, so only '88 then. He was the National League MVP in '88. He was with right. Completely mediocre stats. Could have almost. He, he was gritty. That's why he right. won. And then, of course, Shit. he, you know, and then everybody thinks, oh, of course he did because he hit the home run. His only played appearance in the World Correct. Series. I, I watched a really good, uh, and I'm sure you've seen it because I just oh, recently yeah, he was only watched a one time MVP. When, um, in he also won. Uh, here's, here could, are the banners that Kirk does have. He was an MVP, he was a Silver Slugger. He was an ALCS MVP. He was a member of two World Series championship teams and he was a manager of the year. For the Diamondbacks, right? I was going to say Diamondbacks. Who, what would that be? Uh, Let's see where he finished in the voting in '84. How close did he come to being a two-time? He was no, sixth place. Well, it, Willie Hernandez was the MVP, former Cub. We'll talk about Willie. Was the MVP in the American yeah, so League? So Willie won. His teammate. Then it was Ken Herbeck, the Quiz, Dan Quisenberry, Eddie Murray, Don Mattingly, and then Gibson got the six most votes ahead of Tony Armas <laughs> in 1984. Okay, next on the list of uh, of Cub uh, superstars oh, is a future American League batting champion. On the on the twenty eleven on the twenty eleven Cubs twenty eleven Cubs future American League batting champion. Oh, DJ Lemayhew, right? DJ Lemayhew, who get traded but with Tyler he, Colvin. I was going to say Casey he was not part of the, and the Ian Stewart. Stewart. The worst trade. Theo ever made with the Cubs. That seems fair. I don't have. And it might have been his first one. It might literally have been his. Well, no, because that happened right before the season, right? Like in spring training. So the first one I think was Rizzo. Before the 2012 season, right? Because again, this is the last. This is the last season of. I don't know who the GM is at the end of this season. It's not Henry. Henry left in (laughs) July. Left. Well, I guess Henry probably left right at, at the trade. I point. think it's the, it's the ghost of Charlie so Fox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It um, was just, it was in disarray. You know, and Theo fell into their lap. So it was, it was Gary, you know, just like Gary Hughes do it. With his Hawaiian right. shirts. And his Kenny Rogers beard. Uh, former Cubs superstar Luis Montanez was on the 11 Cubs. So that's pretty awesome, by the way. Let's, let's point this out. Luis Montanez 
was we've already talked about top five picks. I think you said Ryan Harvey was a third or fifth. Pretty sure Luis Montanez, because the 1999 Cubs, whom we've discussed, who crashed and burned after uh, a two-month oh, yeah. spurt. We got to do the who got picked after Luis Montanez. Would have had a horrible uh, you know, season. Luis Montanez also probably a top six pick, and that's probably being generous. He was the third pick. Yeah, I was going to say third, but I, I didn't want to overshoot it. And, and and we're talking about the 2011 Cubs, and Luis Montañez is playing for the 2011 Cubs, but this is after this like ridiculously absurd, circuitous route. 11 years that, in the minors. With like several organizations. He left, uh, the Cubs gave up on him like, you know, friggin' eight years before this moment. And then he, there he is. Hey, there's the, hey, kids, remember? Remember you were like in college and you didn't have a beer belly yet? And Luis Montañez got drafted. And now you've got like two kids in, you know, first grade. And he's back and he's playing left field for the 2011. He would Cubs. not have been alone in the, t- he would have, if he had never made the big leagues and he played for the Cubs and the Orioles. Right. Of the top 10 picks. One, two. He would have been. There would have been six who never played in the big leagues in That's the 2000 draft. Yes. Wow, who, that who draft were the four was that made shit. it? So the first player was a good player, Adrian Gonzalez. Oh yeah. Um, but then Adam Johnson for the Twins. Nope. Then Luis. Then Mike Stadolka for the Royals nope. never played in the big leagues. Justin Wayne. Nope. Rocco Baldelli who was a good player. Well, but had some weird yeah. mitochondrial disease but, that like, always kept right. him from. Being able and to also, play very much. Yeah, but somehow it allows them to hang around and manage, but whatever. Uh, well, you don't have to you don't do a lot of running around when you're the manager. The Rockies took Matt Harrington, who I believe didn't sign. Yeah, but he was I, I do he remember Matt sign. Harrington as a hot prospect or something. Or he's like, fuck it, I'm not pitching for the I'm not pitching for the Rockies. Matt Wheatland signed oh. with the Tigers, didn't did not make it to the big leagues. Mark I Phillips, the Padres, didn't make it to the big leagues. And Joe Torres of the Angels didn't make it to the big leagues. The White Sox took Joe Borchard with a twelfth pick. <laughs> Out of Stanford. And gave him by far the biggest signing bonus. Five point <laughs> three million dollars. Nobody else even Adrian Gonzalez only got three. They had to buy Joe out of a scholarship. You know why, Stanford, right? right? Correct. It was to play football. Oh, right? yeah. Because he right he he was a four-year player out of Stanford. So what was he going to go to the NFL? <laughs> well, I don't he, know. He was not. He couldn't go back. He was a four-year player. But from that Stanford. was his. That was his leverage. Was Joe Borchardt even drafted? He must have been drafted. Somebody must have at least taken a flyer on him, even if he wasn't yeah. serious. I don't know how good of a quarterback he was. I mean, so wait, we're talking. Uh, but you're. This is the 2000 draft, by the way. I yes, know we're 2000. talking about the 2011 season, but. Because of Luis Montañez circling all the way back, uh, you know, we got to. I, I am curious. I, I don't know that I can ever recall that Joe Borchard was ever a legitimate NFL uh, prospect. I don't he know. He was never really I mean, a legitimate Major League Baseball player. Either. <laughs> well, didn't stop Ron Schuler from stepping in and, you know. Okay, so looking at the whole list, there were two good players, two very good players taken in the first round. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez and a second baseman out of UCLA who went to the Phillies Mick, wait, uh, with the 15th pick. He would play a very Jimmy long Rollins? time for them. No, second baseman, not shortstop. He was the second baseman who's next to Jimmy Rollins for on those World Series teams. Somehow his hair was always wet. That always bothered me. 
Our finished up. Mickey? He made the. No. How about this? He made about? the final out in Jake Arrieta's first no hitter. Oh, Chase Utley. Jesus. Chase Utley. Yeah. What a blind spot. Wow. All right. Not a Hall of Famer for sure. I, I'm assuming. I hope not. Didn't strike me as one. You never know, uh, though, with Harold Baines. Probably, Chase is probably borderline. Let's see. The whole thing with the Harold Baines is like that's it's problematic. So, um, oh yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, he shouldn't be. 18, only had eighteen hundred hits. He's got a sixty-four-five WAR though. And again, uh, for all you, um, for everyone out there that is curious about where that might rank, sixty-four point five WAR for our guy uh, Chase Utley. Harold Baines uh, is a point of reference. Pull it up. Sorry. So let's see, for position players, the only other ones of note would be the aforementioned Wellington Castillo. And another, uh, oh, this is a perfect tie-in to Jake Arrieta. Another backup catcher. Steve Clevenger made his big league debut with the 2011 Cubs. He would be traded traded to the um, Orioles with uh, the great... Why am I Scott blanking? Feldman? Scott Feldman. And, of course, Jeff Samarja would throw a fit. He, no, no team gets better by trading Scott right. Feldman. Well, Clevenger, of right. course, would then like... turn out to be a horrible racist. And the Mariners would just right. cut him. And his big league career ended. Yeah. I, I also think, and it might have been in 2011 or maybe 2012, that he struck out to end the game and, like, fell down and broke his leg or something and, like, I laid hope. on home plate. It was on a nationally televised game on a Saturday, so... Uh, I think Slacky made a hilarious tweet about it at the time. So, by the way, Harold Baines' uh, career war 38.7, Hall of Famer. Harold Baines, Chase Utley, 64.5. So, an argument can easily be, be made that uh, 2000 draft pick Chase Utley uh, could be a Hall of Famer. So, color me surprised. So, pitching wise, uh, the Cubs had how many 10 game winners do you think the. The uh, sep- they weren't that. I mean, they were seventy-one and ninety-one, not good. But how many ten-game winners do you think this uh, wonderful assortment of pitchers had? You said Ryan Dempster is on the team, right? Yeah, the, I'll give you the the guys who made the six most starts: Ryan Dempster, Matt Garza, Carlos Sombrano, Randy Wells, my favorite, Mexi Greggy himself, Rodrigo Lopez, and the four-foot-two Casey Coleman. Wow. How many 10 game uh, winners? Uh, two. Two. You're right. Ryan Dempster, 10 and 14. Matt Garza, 10 and 10. Oh, okay. Matt Garza. Yes. Was this the year of the disastrous Matt Garza trade? I think it was. Right. Well, was Matt Garza uh, traded twice by the Cubs, or did I just imagine that? No. Uh, or I'm confusing that with some other uh, revolving door player. No, only once. Although he was in a big one. Two, he was in two big trades. Um, we need to talk about Mark his DeRosa. Trades. No. Got it. Mark De- What? No. Never mind. So the, yeah, DeRosa came, um, DeRosa was a free agent signing, and then he got traded to the, to the Indians, Guardians. Uh, right. what, uh, when the Cubs were trying to become more left-handed. That helped pave the way for Milton Bradley. That was a great. Movie. Correct. Okay, and we so t- broke that down. So, yeah, 2011 was the year of the Matt Garza trade. January 8th, 2011, Jim Henry's last big trade. He traded Hak Ju Lee, Chris Archer, future Cub. It would only take him um, 
what, 10 years to get back, Robinson Chirinos. <laughs> Only great 10 years? Sam Fold. And the previously mentioned Brandon Geyer to the Rays for Matt Garza and Fernando Perez. Wait, back up. Brandon Geyer, who played against the Cubs in the 2016 World Series, yep. right? Yes. Was once a Cub pro, uh, oh, yeah. farmhand. Yep. That's why I was sure watching that game that we were somehow going to get get beat by a very mediocre former prospect of ours. I did not know that. I think you mentioned that. He got the hit before but... the Roger Davis home run, and then he drove in the last run of the World Series, right? Didn't he get a – didn't he single? After Roger got on and stole second, and yeah. then, yeah. The, the, yeah. My favorite do... stat about Brandon Geyer was for the longest time, and maybe he even finished his career this way. Let's look it up quick. Let's see. 85. Oh, no, a late, a late season surge. For the longest time in his career, he had more hit by pitches than walks. And for his career, he finished with 91 walks in seven years and 85 hit by pitches. He led the he led the American League in back to back seasons. He had 24 hit by pitches in 2015 and 31 in 2016. It was like the one thing he was good at. So yeah, the guards trade uh... not great because Chris Archer would outperform him for a very long time for a very small amount of money. So I just made a realization, um, which I think is relevant to our discussion tonight, and I think helpful. So I'm going to bring it out here, Andy, uh, and tell you that, you know, our guy, Ryan Dempster, whom we, you know, have some feelings about. Oh, yeah. He's one of my my all-time favorites. And we haven't even had a chance to um, get to, like, his two particular colossal failures that distinctly drove two separate Cubs seasons out of the playoffs. Yes. Many people forget it because he's affable and he's white. And he's, you know, whatever rides a unicycle and, you know, he's had his tongue up cranes ass for, for right. 20 years now. But because we are doing the 2011 Cubs and because we often sometimes circle back to opening day because it's a very big, exciting day. I, I've been to a lot of them and I like to bring up things that happen when, 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 when I do, whether it's driving in from DeKalb and being drinking for 15 hours and coming back with, after Tuffy Roads, it's three homers or whatever. It occurred to me that on opening day, uh, 2011, Ryan Dempster provided us another taste of the sort of ass sucktitude that just sort of pronounced his, uh, you know, his performance um, just when things counted, really. We can also, when we talk about the 2006 Cubs, talk about the time that he gave up a lead-changing, go-ahead, ninth-inning homer at Wrigley Field to A.J. Pruszynski of the White Sox, but that's in 2006. But if we're here to, you know, continue to do our best to stamp out any undeserved and unearned Ryan Dempster um, positivity. Uh, you've come to the right place. If you go to April, April fool's day, of course, probably Dempster's fucking holiday and <laughs> circled on his calendar in 2011. Oh, I already see it. Oh, and it's opening day. They got the bunting out. It's opening. It's another big game. Just saying, and we'll talk about Oh, four eight later, but I'll let you take it away, Andy. Well, I think, you know, so I, well, I, I mean, I see what happened. Are you talking about him giving up one huge hit? 
seemed like it, right? It seemed awfully sim- eerily similar to a another big hit. Yeah. Um, so with the Cubs leading two to nothing in the top of the fi- in the in the uh, they opened at home. They did yeah, top I of the was, fifth. I was, I was at. The I'm not used to it. They're opening at home this year, thanks to the lockout. Do you have tickets for April seventh against the Brewers? That's, I might that's be opening there. day what, now. What day is it? Is it uh, Monday or Friday? I have no idea. It's whatever day. Right. Is. I might be there. Who knows? I used to go to all of them, but whatever. So top of the fifth comes up two nothing. Uh, the Pirates uh, have Ryan Dumit. He singles, but then Garrett Jones hits into a ground out that takes Dumit to second. Then he Dempster somehow. Now this is miraculous. They Cooperstown should have called for the ball. He walked Ronnie Cedeno. <laughs> Did Ronnie like continue to stand in the batter's box? No, but I'm sure and Ronnie he, tried to steal second and slid into left. Well, we talked about that, but like even everybody had to point Ronnie to first base because he wasn't sure about. So then, who's managing these? Uh, these two thousand. Of course, been, it's uh, Quaddy for for is it, is, is it uh, the, the the hypertension face Clint Hurdle? No, no, of course, no, he's the Rockies still. It yeah, was it was Clint Hurdle. Yep. First year, maybe could have been first good old, game. Good old Pinky was out there, and he, he two nothing in a two nothing game with. Uh, oh, it's his pitcher, so that makes sense. He bunts. So Kevin Correa bunts. Uh, he advances Dumit to second or to third, and Ronnie to second. And then Jose Tabata comes up. Uh, two outs. Good chance to get out of the inning. Dempster walks him. That brings up longtime Cub killer Neil Walker. Can we just stop real quick? Can you quickly and just check out Jose Tabata? I don't know. I don't know what it is, and I'll do it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. I'm just curious what Jose Tabata's career uh, on base percentage oh, was. He, he, wasn't he, was a, long- he was a... He was one of those long-touted Yankee farmhands who was actually not good. Well, he also was known um, for something else that I, I his wife pleads guilty. There's a story from 2010, so maybe not relevant, but I'll drop it in the box if you're interested. Um, well, that does people on the podcast. <laughs> guys, if you have, if you have, right. if you have hey, guys, to our chat, you can read about Jose Tapata's wife. You're following along. It might be worth it, though, just Google uh, Jose Tabata wife. He was the leadoff hitter on opening day uh, in 2011. I'll let you get back to the play-by-play. We can maybe, if we have time, circle back to Jose Tabata's off-the-field issues. But, um, but yeah. Cubs well, are still I got to know what she did. Well, oh. yeah, it was. <laughs> all right, I'll just read the. Uh, all right, Dateline, Tampa, Florida. July 21st, 2010, so just a year before. Right. A woman accused of faking a pregnancy and stealing a baby to fool her husband, Pittsburgh Pirates outfielder Jose Tabata, into thinking he was the father, has pled guilty. So how old would Jose have been in 2010? 21 years old. Okay, 21 years old, because Amalia Tabata Pereira, age 44, (laughs) pleaded guilty in Hillsborough Circuit Court on Wednesday on charges of kidnapping, interference with custody, and impersonating a public officer. In March 2009, Tabata Pereira posed as an immigration official and threatened a migrant worker and her boyfriend with deportation if they didn't give their baby girl to her, prosecutors said. The mother complied, then contacted police six hours later to report a kidnapping. Wow. A pirate spokesman says Tabata has long avoided contact with his estranged wife and continues to work with his lawyers to complete their pending divorce. Now that brings to mind um, Jared Saltalamachia, 
Do you remember that Jared Saltalamachia's wife was significantly older than him, and it turned out she was his gym teacher in high school? <laughs> so there you go. That's why people need to listen to the whole Remember This Crap. Why would you think the 2011 Cubs would come up to Jose Tabata's strange wife stealing a baby and Jared Saltalamachia marrying his gym teacher? But and of course, but what what is the dateline on the on the uh, Tabata story? Is 2010, so it's it, already occurred. So like, yeah, we're not now here to yeah. shame Coral Jose Tabata. In fact, I think feeling sympathetic, Ryan Dempster. What did you say? Issues of bases on balls. Uh, he walks him to load the bases ahead of Neil Walker, who had a long history of of doing horrible things to the Cubs. And on yeah, a three-two so. pitch, Neil Walker hits one to deep right field. And it's four to two pirates. He, he pulled a James Loney as we knew it around the park in those it, it, by that point. <laughs> so James yeah. Loney, yes, we already we all had flashbacks too. I mean, it's like okay, how how many times are you gonna do this asshole, and yet you're still just gonna waltz back into town? That's me. That's later. my biggest problem. People think I'm just be such an asshole because I hate Ryan Dempster so much. I mean, he earned it. He's a he's, constant dick punch as a player. Yes. Like, like you know, everyone wants to beat up Alex Gonzalez. And, like, I mean, like, there are, like, so many players. You know, you mentioned Milton Brand. Like, Carlos Sombrano might get booed because, you know, those are other reasons. I, I don't want to, like, make too fine Carlos a point on it. But, well, I know. But, like, it's just like how, it's just like how simply he can just waltz in. And it's like, dude, you – typified like all of like the frustration while like enjoying all of the trappings at the time, but not doing it because when it counted, you couldn't do it. And yet you shamelessly without any embarrassment, just, just walk right in like you're entitled to it. And that's going to be it because most fans somehow because of their own internal biases, forgive you or forget all of these nut punches that you've provided us. It's just mystifying to me. So that brings us to the next pitcher on the list, which is Carlos Zambrano, who is in his final year with the Cubs. Oh no! So wait, was the was was that Cubs game was the season opener, right? That was not the Jason Hayward Carlos Zambrano. Was that the next year on opening day? It had to have been before the year before. This Jesus. Okay, so you got to find the game when Zambrano walked off the field in Atlanta this season, right? And he never pitched again for the Cubs. I think. Yes, he retired, and then well, he retired more than once. Um, <laughs> He also threw out umpires. I mean, you know, you never yeah, know. Carlos did it all. So in his final season with the Cubs, he had a winning record. He was nine and seven, but he had a four eighty two ERA. Let's see, what wonder what he hit. That's more important. That's a good call. Because I think he actually may have uh, refined his hitting as he, um, as he aged. I could be wrong there. No, he had he had only one homer and two RBIs. He didn't get a lot of that at bats. Thirty six plate appearances. Oh um, uh, by the way, Harold Baines alert. Carlos Zambrano's war, 43.9. So strike up strike up the band if you're so inclined. Yeah, Carlos had a nice stretch. He homered in in his final in 11 seasons in the big leagues. He had at least one home run. He had a stretch from 06 on where he hit six. He had six home runs in 2006. Six, two. He hit four <laughs> homers in eight and nine. And then he had a homer in 2010. He had two and 11. And then he hit one for the Marlins, for Ozzie well, Guillen's Marlins. Do you remember who he got traded to the Marlins for in the 2011? Yeah, Chris Volstead. I'm sick that I know that. Was that going into the 2012 season? Yes. 
So even though I, I will sit here and readily admit that I like black things out between, you know, um, you know, the, the James Loney grand slam or Mark DeRosa failing to turn on a double play and Theo getting hired somehow things like Chris Volstad replaced Colin Zambrano, um, pop into my head. So I wish it didn't. So, uh, Randy pickup driving, Randy Wells made 28 starts for those Cubs. He was seven and six with a 499 ERA. And then one of my favorites, Rodrigo Lopez, who uh, had been a pitcher for the Diamondbacks, came over and he made 26, no, 16 starts, 26 appearances for the Cubs. And I'm not lying when I say this. I called him Mexi Greggy. Right. Because he copied exactly Greg Maddox's pitching motion. That was who he, he based. So it looked like a chubby Mexican version. I was going to say, didn't Greg he have Maddox. a pot belly? Yeah, he looked like Greg at the end. Of course, sort of, sort of Maddox yes. at the end. Okay, so you're saying late stage Maddox yes. was most of the. Okay. So I, just, I called it Mexi Greg because he was from Mexico, and I loved <laughs> Rodrigo Lopez. He was six and six with a four forty two, and then the diminutive Casey Coleman. Uh, as we talked about, Carlos Marmol. This was beyond it. You know when. Yeah, it Carlos was really... Marmel at his best, which lasted longer than people remember. That's what I was saying. I was, I'm kind of a, a bit surprised to was know a, that he was still pitching. Was a dominant pitcher. He was For like, like, what, in, like a year and a half. In fact, he was so good in 2007 that that's when that's why shit went wrong in the first game of the playoffs because the Cubs didn't have any depth at all in their pitching staff. So Lou's whole plan was if we have a lead after six. We're taking Carlos out. We're going to go to Marmel. We'll get two innings out of Marmel. Then we'll go to Wood, and we'll win the game. And then we'll be able to bring Carlos back in game four if we have to. Exactly. And the and problem we broke that was yep. everything worked until Marmel gave up a home run, and the Cubs lost. But, I mean, the strategy it didn't make the strategy wrong. Just because it doesn't Correct. work doesn't well, make it and wrong. It didn't re- and it didn't represent some sort of like a Brad Lidge. Albert Pujols, of course, we also discussed wasn't really the end of Bradledge anyway, but Marmel came back in 08 and was like even more insane, like throughout the course of the season. And uh, he didn't even have an opportunity to prove his relevance in the playoffs that season, of course, in 08, because they didn't even have the lead at, at, you know, at, at, at any point. But yeah, so, but that was kind of it. Like 07, 08 was Mar- Marmel's peak. And then by 11, I'm I'm surprised he was still on the team. Yeah, I think we were too. <laughs> I mean, while we were watching it, we were surprised he was still on the team and that he was still the closer. Finished 61 games, had 34 saves. And of course, the biggest 34. problem was he had he had 99 strikeouts in 74 innings, which is good, but it was way down from his ridiculous numbers he would used to post. But he had 48 walks, which is way too many, and he had uh, how many hit by pitches? That was the other. He hit a lot of guys too. Nine. And, of course, he had that. We're not going to go. There aren't very many memorable games, but the one that is most memorable is that the loss he blew in St. Louis, which would have basically kept the Cardinals out of the playoffs. Because, remember, they had this, the Braves blew this huge lead down the stretch, and the Cardinals wouldn't lose, and the Cardinals ended up squeaking in the playoffs and then allegedly won the World Series. Correct. I mean, it's, I don't know if you want to, like, if you want to slit our wrists and break that game down. Or well, we could, let's see. We got to get through. We got more fun bums here. Okay. Uh, so this would be uh, Jeff Samarja's final year as a as a full time reliever. He became a starter the next season, and he was and really possibly good. The, 
Yeah, I think he was the opening day starter the following season, 2012. Says more about how bare the cover was. Oh, yeah, the 2012 was, Cubs but... are – we're not getting into that, but they Sorry. were so bad. They were, that's a historic – and they were bad on purpose, but, oh, man, were they bad. Samarja was 8-4 and four with a 297. He struck out – well, he walked way too many guys. He struck out 87 and 88 innings. He walked 50. He walked more guys than Marmel did, uh, but he was effective. Sean Marshall had a good year. He was 6 and 6 with a 226 out of the bullpen. He would then get traded, right? Right after the season for Travis Wood. Was was, was Wood year? an original Theo uh, acquisition? He might have been. I don't think yeah. I wonder if he uh if Wood was there from the beginning. Yeah, December 23rd, 2011. For this is quite a trade. Sean Marshall for three guys. Dave Sapelt Ronald Torres, who might still be kicking around the big leagues, and Travis Wood, who was basically Sean Marshall. So you got you got a clone of Sean Marshall and the two other guys, with a little you know, a little bit of younger. offense. Yeah, he could hit. Too. Although Marshall yeah. could hit, he just wouldn't run. I remember that he like he got thrown out on what should have been an easy double in Cincinnati because he was just loping. Uh, but he was of- still four. Forced to hustle and then get thrown out, yes, because he, he wasn't hustling from from the get go. Yeah, couple uh, the Cubs had a lot of lefties on this team. Marshall also had James Russell. Oh, some reason I'm uh, annoyed with him, and I'm not sure off the bat, but it doesn't and, matter. And John Grabo. So Grabo was part of the. Uh, um, he was a trade, right? The Cubs yep. got him in a trade when they were going for it in '08. It was he. It was he. It's oh nine. So the oh nine team, which we talked about, was kind of like the oh five team that, on paper, if things go right, might be a good team because they're coming off of you know a couple of you know yeah, consecutive playoff seasons. appearances. They were in first place until right around the time of this trade. And so they was this the Matt Lawton or my no that's no, four that years earlier. Year. Never mind. That was four years. Yeah, the Lawton thing was great because they they traded for him and then they traded him away at the deadline. He was only a couple right. of months. Right. Right. And then he got he went to the Yankees and got busted. He tested positive for steroids and that's got suspended. Right. The, the whole thing you could write a whole one act. Play. He replaced Jody Garrett who played for the Cubs for like a week. Correct. Um, but even Jody Garrett got a hit. Unlike Martin Maldonado. Uh, the the Grabo trade uh, was uh, John Grabo and the beautiful Tom Gorzolani. <laughs> the sloth from yep. Goonies, I believe, after he had grown up. For Do you remember the ass can? Jose Ascanio? I do. Oh, yeah. I had high hopes for the ass can. Uh, famous comedian Kevin Hart. Yes. And future all-star, thanks to, Matt, uh, or thanks to um, wow. Mike Matheny, Josh Harrison. Wow. So we've we've come across both the Josh Donaldson and the Josh Harrison trades uh, in the same podcast. Yep. To like long from the big so it, it, I mean in fairness to the Cubs and whoever's in charge for each respective trade um both players seem to be so far away. Maybe not Josh Harrison so much. The, the, the Donaldson thing really seemed like, you know, a little flukish how it took so long and he, he, he well he changed it, but, positions and but he was a catcher for the Cubs and they became a goal yes, baseman for the A's. You know, and I'm pretty sure Josh Harrison, you know, I know he's a, you know, a streaky player. He was a, relies a lot he was a good player for a long time. But the only reason he was an all star was when they changed it to the after the all star game I was at. 
Right. Tied in Milwaukee. They did that this time it counts. And so Matheny was the manager and decided he needed a utility player because that was going to help the National League win. And so he took a very, you know, Harrison had decent numbers. He was not an all-star, but that's why he made an all-star team. <laughs> that's his only one, though. He hasn't made another because he was, I thought he was amongst the league leaders in hitting one year. So, could have been. yeah, not um, a bad player. But yeah, former Cub, Josh Harrison. And that so that trade happened in 2011. Yes, the John John Grabo. Okay, yeah. So 2011 was also the first year of the ill-fated return of Kerry Wood. The return, but not the finale, because that was 2012. That was 12. Right? Yes, he. Okay. He pitched 50. Actually, he was he was fine in 2011. 55 games. He was three and five with a 3.35 ERA. Struck out 57 and 51 innings. Um, okay. He was okay. And totally a reliever because, yeah. Yeah, once Lou made him the closer, he never started again. Well, right. I mean, So he, yeah, he. He couldn't. I mean, he literally, they could, they, he could right. only throw like 30 pitches before his arm it's fell. Such an, it's such an odd career. You know, all these bright moments and just. Couldn't stay healthy. He didn't even win 100 games. Uh, but then he did get converted to being a reliever in, what, 07 and 08. And he didn't get any chance in the playoffs because the Cubs just got swept right out. And then they, they leveraged him and traded him, right? To, or he signed with Cleveland. He signed. He bounced around, right? He was the Yankees uh, pitching for the Yankees in the playoffs at one point. And so they just kept blowing his arm out a little bit further. Good for Kerry. Gets, you know, gets, gets a pitch in the playoffs again, but. Yeah, he signed with the uh, – they let him go as a free agent. He signed with the Indians. And then the Indians traded him two years later to the Yankees, and he pitched really well for the Yankees and and well in the playoffs for them. But they lost the ALCS to the Rangers that year. The Rangers went on to lose the World Series to the Giants. Um, but it looks like Carey – It's 2010. Postseason. Where's postseason? I have postseason batting. I don't so really that know was... that. So, so that was the year before. That was Woods, you know. Well, I, w- I was going to say that was Woods' closest chance at getting to the World Series, but then. No, he was closer was once before. <laughs> referring to the most previous episode. Yeah. All right. Um, what else we got here on the pitchers? You mentioned, oh, you no, mentioned no. Randy. You mentioned Randy Wells. Uh, I'm assuming 2011 was after the quote unquote Randy Wells year, where he like out of his ass, like was like 16 and like, you know, all of a sudden, hey, do we have something here? Yeah, his rookie year. I mean, he came 09. up in 08, but his first full year was 09. He was 12 and 10 with a 305. That's it. Yeah, he was he was dining off that season for a few years. Yes. Yeah, I mean to put it in perspective. Uh, you know, this is a Ricketts own team. It's like the whole last exhaust of the, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the end of the whole sort of the last remnants of the Tribune era that had lasted at this point for basically three decades. And, but for uh, one Theo Epstein essentially falling into Tom Ricketts' lap about three months after the end of the season, um, you know, we could uh, keep doing this type of a podcast forever. Yeah. Oh, the next guy on the list is 
I, you know, it's hard to remember he was ever a Cub. Uh, do you remember um, he had been a, a good, an inexplicably good pitcher for the Brewers? Kind of a dumpy lefty. And he Not made, Ray he made, no, this is a, he was a starting pitcher. He made nine starts for the 2011 Cubs and he won one of them. Doug Davis. Oh, God. Remember, Doug used to kill the Cubs with the Brewers, and then he killed the Cubs totally. with the Cubs. Right. I think I talked about uh, the he, last podcast. He also pitched against them in the 07 playoffs with the Diamondbacks. He did. Uh, he also pitched, and I talked about this on our last podcast, on my dad's what would have been his uh, 70th birthday at Wrigley Field. Uh, August 31st, 2003. Not, not to go all Les Grobstein on you here. Well, uh, somebody's got August... to. Les is not around there. Right. I know, right? <laughs> I'll, I'll fill the void if I have to, but August 31st, 2003 uh, would have been when uh, Doug Davis uh, outdueled Juan Cruz. Uh, oh, Disco Field. Juan. Yeah, Disco Juan. And, uh, you know, in a very big game for the Cubs that they couldn't pull out because Doug Davis just would constantly um, – confound and frustrate the Cubs. Yeah. And you're right. throw them a fastball and that's all they could hit. And so they would just well, flail at every, but it didn't even, it didn't even matter who they were like the Cubs of 2003 uh, against the Brewers, or 2007 against the Diamondbacks or 2011 or no, I'm sorry. 2011. They would have hit him in 11, but he was, yeah, he's a Cub. Instead. Right. Right. He's a member of the Cubs. So, yeah. um, so the Cubs also had the other Ramon Martinez, or Ramon Ortiz, not the one who uh, was that Ramon Ortiz. Wait, right? Ramon Ortiz? No, I don't know if that's a. I don't. Who's the Ortiz no... who pitched for the uh, Russ? Pitched for the Giants. Russ, and then Russ, against the Cubs Ramon. in o, and against the Cubs in 03 uh, and so the, was, the NLDS. That's right. Uh, oh, here's a good one. So bringing the Matt Lawton thing back around, Justin Berg pitched for the Cubs in 11. He was the guy the Cubs got for Lawton in the trade with the Yankees. Love it. So there you go. Inadvertently full circle. We have a guy on here who got traded for Theo Epstein. Oh, the other, uh, uh, the other Chris, why can't I think of his name? I'm going to say, I'm not going to say Carpenter, right? Chris Carpenter. Yeah, Chris Chris Carpenter. Carpenter. That's it. Uh, let's see. And then Jeff Stevens, who I think the Cubs got for Mark DeRosa. Yes, I, I associate Jeff Stevens with DeRosa. Yeah. And John Gobb. Who? You okay? Oh, John Gobb, G-A-U-B. Yeah. yeah, the three guys they got for DeRosa were Chris Archer, who they then flipped for Matt Garza, uh, which was not smart. And then John Gobb and Jeff Stevens. Well, that's confused not, I with mean, Dave Stevens, a previous Cubs pitching bum. From from what era? I know the name. I, I'm struggling uh, to. Uh, and what years would he pitch? He was previous oh, to them. We don't have to go down another 90s. Oh, we can. Hole. Why not? <laughs> Dave Stevens. You know. Oh, he was a 98 Cub. 97 and 98. It. Oh, he was definitely disgusted. Yeah, so that's about it. So, yeah, unless we want to, I mean, we might as well. Let's look up before we leave. Let's go to September. When's it going to be? There it is. September 24th, 2011. Cubs at Bush Stadium. September 24th? Is that what it is? September 24th, 
It wasn't earlier. Are you sure? How about this? Yeah, it was almost the end of the season. No, it's not are, earlier. Are you, this was the are end. You talking was... about, you're not talking about the Carlos Marmol game, yes, are you? Yes, this is the Carlos Marmol game. Okay. So, bad. it was a pitching duel between Mexi Greggy, Rodrigo Lopez, and Kyle Loesch. Uh Rodrigo... Another former Cub, by the way, Kyle yes. Loesch. Rodrigo gave up just four hits in six innings and left with a one nothing lead. Cubs turned it over to Andrew Kashner. He got through the seventh. Sean Marshall got through the eighth. They didn't allow a base runner. So Carlos Marmel trots out, and he's going to save this. And it's basically, it's a, it's a loss that the Cardinals can't afford because they're, they have to win every game they can to catch the Braves for the wild card spot. And Marmel starts off, he gets uh, Fat Elvis, Lance Berkman, to fly out to center. Fat Elvis. Then Matt Holiday on a 2-1 pitch singles to center. Tyler Green pinch runs for Matt Holiday. David Freeze comes up, and Marmel's not paying any attention to the tying run. And so Tyler Green steals second base, and he advances... Uh, to third on an error on who was catching. I'm going to guess it was Gio. Yes. Error on Giovanni Soto puts the Still, tying run with one out on third base. Okay. But nope, not to, not to worry. Marmel strikes out David Freeze. So two outs. Runners on third. Our hero. All you got to do, get an out, and you're in good shape. And who's up? Who do you think is up for the Cardinals in this spot? Nothing, nobody but the one guy that Cardinal fans would love to have up, Yadier Molina. The only thing standing between them and defeat and elimination. And he gets to a full count. And Carlos walks in. So now we have runners at first and third. Adron Chambers runs for Yadi. Who? Adron Chambers. You're making that up. No. And now Skip Schumacher is up. Oh, Jesus. I like, you know, whatever you talk about with the Cardinals, you're inevitably going to just come across Stubby Clapper, Skip yep. Schumacher. So you got you to force it second, force it first. What's Carlos do? He walks Skip Schumacher on five pitches. Mm, of course. So now it's former Cub. Oh, guess this. Guess who's due up? Due up for. The Cardinals is former Cub superstar Corey Patterson. Tony La Russa says, no, 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 no. Come on back. And he pinch hits Ryan Terrio, another yep. Cub star. What does Terrio do? On a full count with the Bush Stadium going crazy, Cubs one strike away from ending the Cardinals' season for all intents and purposes, Carlos walks him. Yeah. Ties the game. Now, another guy that Cub fans love, Raphael Furcal, the guy who Jim Hendry was constantly trying to trade for and then who also ruined Derek Lee's season after his uh, near triple crown, his MVP season. I st- yeah, but I still uh, prefer to blame Scott Ayer for that. Stevie Ayer. For the terrible throw. Correct. Furcal comes up. Game tied at one. On the second pitch, Carlos throws it to the bricks. 
Chamber scores, Cardinals win. Two runs, one hit, one error, two left on base. Cardinals two, Cubs one. And Mike Quaddy staying in the dugout going, I think I might get fired. <laughs> well, I think that was a foregone conclusion um, pretty much from the moment he took the job. It's but, it's a it's a season like so many others. Go ahead. The Cubs had won the night before, so they were gonna they were going to win the series, gonna cripple their arch rival, and it didn't really happen. So, yeah, I wanted to uh, circle back to Carlos's last stand. And baseball reference isn't gonna do it justice, so you might have to do uh, some uh, googling. But on August twelfth. In Atlanta, I believe this is Carlos's last start as a Cub. All I remember, well, let's see. I mean, from the from the box score, is that he just got he got lit up. Eight earned runs, eight hits. He didn't walk anybody. But there's, a, I want to say, <laughs> I, I thought there was like a story about he was very demonstrative. Let's say, as as Carlos often was when he walked off the mound that night that made it abundantly clear that there was a very strong chance that Carlos Zambrano may never uh, pitch again, you know, for the Cubs. And actually I do have it. He retired, right? On the mound. Like just, just just like, just like he threw an umpire out of the game right in the middle of 30,000 fans. Um, in spite of the verbal ab, I think I did find um, the the video that we can you know throw out there now or even break down now. But it was it was not pretty. Although there was something engine. about it that I remember pissed off my dad, but it made me laugh. So I think you you know I don't know. I just pulled it up myself, but I I think we always enjoy talking about Carlos. Oh, wait, what it was. He started. He started throwing it. He started throwing it. The fucking Braves. The Braves are coming out of the dugout. And Braves started coming out of the dugout. And basically, at this point, Carlos was like just not effective anymore. So he didn't have the the credibility, he didn't have the currency, you know, to like pull shit like this. And he was kind of petulant. But it was still fucking funny because I'll tell you goddamn Bob, it, we can Carlos debate just, whether or not he should have been tossed. I don't care. At but this point, it didn't matter. He gave his heart and soul to, to the. He was well. on the 03 team. He was the ace of the 07 team. He pitched his ass off in 08, but every fucking infielder behind him couldn't fucking handle the ball. Did everything he could. He his final stretch in 04 was amazing. Like he Good basically. Call. He basically hoisted the Cubs on his back, and if had they squeaked into the playoffs, it was going to be mostly because of him. Maddox had some good starts, but Maddox kind of fell apart his last two starts of the season. But down the stretch in September, they were their yeah. only two effective starters. And he was the like the oldest like what? and the youngest 20, were the guys carrying them. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. So, how about this in 2011? So that that the the Cardinals won eight of their last ten. The Braves lost eight of their last ten. And the Cardinals made the playoffs by one game. And we know what happened. I mean, if you think about it, for all their wonderful superiority down there, they win a World Series in 2006 with 83 wins. Correct. So that's a World Series they shouldn't have won. And they shouldn't have even been in the playoffs in 11. They'd be looking still at 82 
as their most I know, recent I know. World and it would have been awesome. It would actually be a starting out to approach Brooklyn Dodgers, Chicago Cubs, like Maybe this consecutive would be the 40th World year Series losses. Since those yeah. fuckers won a World Series. But also consecutive losses in the World Series, which is like, it's you know, the record stands at seven. The Cubs own it. They share it with the Brooklyn Dodgers. They broke it when they won in 2016. The Dodgers broke it when they finally beat the Yankees in 55. And yeah, if it wasn't for like the flukiness of Justin Verlander and the Detroit pitching staff not being able to field a ball and letting the, an 83-win Cardinals team win it all. And then that 2011 team, since it is the 2011 season, I just want to like get it out there once more. Nelson Cruz, you had two choices and you chose neither. One was when Fat Elvis hits that ball. No, I'm sorry. Fat Elvis was on first base. I forgot who hit the ball that he alligator-armed. Well, it's either don't alligator arm it. The obvious uh, thing is don't alligator arm it. Go all out. Don't worry about your future. It's the World Series. You could be a hero. Catch that ball, and it's all over. Or be a smart player and be like, Fed Elvis is on first. Yeah. I know there's two Back outs. Field it. I'm going to just I'm going to turn around and keep him at third base yeah. and save us. He did neither though. He sort of went half assed into that wall and then just kind of kind of went for the ball but didn't quite get it and then uh, fed all this scored well, and whatever david freeze why, came in later why does john mcnamara takes an endless amount of shit for leaving bill buckner in because he wanted him on the field for the final out in 86 why was nelson cruz still in right field I mean, Ron uh, because, Washington had a habit of taking him out late in games because he was a terrible outfielder. Right. And because right. they were in, and he didn't play that much outfield, but because they were in St. Louis and there was no DH, which starting this year is no longer a thing, he had him in the game. They had, they had, I mean, they had a bigger lead late. He should have been out. They should have had a real outfielder out there who catches the ball, they win the World Series. Yep. Right. I think, uh, I mean, the whole thing, think, even with Buckner, if Buckner fields the ball, Mookie beats him to the bag. So and the, even then, the Mets probably still win, but there's no question well, that if you had well, a competent outfielder, the Rangers win the World Series. And of course, even if Buckner beats Mookie to the bag, the game's still tied. Like it's not over, and yeah. anything can happen from there. Well, Whereas, although given that um, Calvin Chiraldi was out, this was Cub? Bob Stanley was in throwing balls to the backstop by this point. Correct. You're right. Yeah. It's yeah. funny, though. I can't really talk with any confidence about either the 06 or 11 playoffs other than that highlight I've seen. Because I just don't watch Cardinal playoffs. I know you don't. You've made that abundantly clear. So I, uh, I've know, watched it, it's so all you apocryphal don't have to. to me. Right. But, but I've we seen are. that highlight, and it's like, right. oh, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And it falls in. It's a twenty. That is how the 2011 season ended, unfortunately. So, I'll it's a, this, I can tell this story. So... That World Series happened the week it was going on when my dad died. And my brother-in-law is a Cardinals fan. So the whole funeral thing stretched out forever because the church, they couldn't bear, couldn't have the funeral on Friday because they were set up for a fucking craft show. And they couldn't, couldn't <laughs> use the basement. And my, I, I told my mom, I said, he, dad went to this church for 71 years. And they won't let us have the funeral on Friday? I mean... What the hell? Why do you go to a church for seventy-one years? So they won't do it. But anyway, because of that, right. we were. I was stuck. Tied. Yeah. I was stuck there for a few extra days waiting for the funeral, and my brother-in-law is a Cardinals fan. So this happens while I'm waiting, and of course they they win the miraculous game six, then they win the miraculous game seven. Yep. And he's like, "Well, you know, it's like we had uh, somebody up there pulling strings for us," 
And I go, I looked at my brother-in-law and goes, I go, I guarantee you he was up there doing everything he could to make right. those fuckers lose. Wait, who said that? My brother-in-law, the, 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 the Cardinal fan. I'm like, the, my, right. my dad hated the Cardinals almost Come as on. much as me. There is don't no let way. Yourself think, don't let yourself think your father-in-law is actually I mean, going to cross over. I mean, He's I think he thought much. he was like saying something like... You know, no, nice. I'm right. Like peaceful, harmonious, maybe bridge the gap. No, no, of course fuck not. You. Yeah, he would have been better off not to say anything. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, I forgot that you have a cardinal, um, um, a cardinal fan. Should have said proves I'm, that I'm there is no heaven. Because if there was one, your fucking Cardinals would not have won that World Series. But you're right. Those are the only two World Series that the Cardinals have won since 1982. Have been yeah, like really fun. dubious. Yes, they shouldn't count. I don't count. They shouldn't count. They, they, shouldn't have count. Seven. Right. they only have right. seven World Series wins. Big deal. It is funny, though, when Cardinal fans puff their chests out, and they're like, look how many we've won. And it's like, the Yankees have literally won one World Series for every four years of their existence. So you might as well shut up. Because if, even if you think you're second, which you're not, you're so fucking far away, it, you might right. as well be 30th. Yeah, I mean they're second because they they've had a higher success rate when they've gotten there. Um, but they've, you know, they haven't been to as many as the as the Giants or Dodgers. Uh, probably the A's, I think. Maybe uh, maybe the Cardinals have been more to the A's, but it's just yeah. What a what a shitty way for 2011 to end. It's another ill-gotten Cardinals so-called championship. And uh, but it was, you know, it's funny. It is. It's the whole. Oh, the end, Cardinals it, have eleven. I thought they had nine. No, because that one in two, th- that one with Verlander throwing the ball all over the park was their their double. Yeah, so digits. the Yankees have twenty seven. Cardinals have yep. eleven. The Red Sox have nine now because they've been Correct. winning so many. The A's right. have nine. Giants have eight. Dodgers have seven. God. Yep. Then the Pirates, the Reds. The Braves moved ahead of the Cubs by oh, winning at 21. The Tigers also now. have four. And then the Cubs, the White Sox. The, no, the tw- White Sox have the fewest. of the. Ori- I'm sorry, the original 16. I, I'm a, yeah, you're right. The Mariners have none. Diamondbacks have one. Well, the White Sox, the Twins. Because the, cent- the Senators have, won And the Orioles all have three. So it is funny for as much shit as the Cubs take. There aren't a whole lot of teams that have won more than one World Series. The Yankees have hogged them all. I mean, if you count the ties, I mean, they're all tied for eighth. Jesus. Right. That's why we need a. That's why we need a salary cap. I, I suddenly I agree with the owners. We need more parity. I was rooting for the wrong side of this whole lockout. Damn it! What a fool I have been. Yeah. Well, now you know, Andy. Yeah. Well, there you have it. The, the, the wonderful 2011 Cubs. Oh, we didn't talk about Quaddy. I want to talk about Quaddy real quick. So, sure. Um, he was one of those guys who was a beloved coach. Like the he he'd been a minor league manager for a long time. His minor league team players loved him. He was a coach. He was a coach. Famously, he was a coach on the A's in the Moneyball year because uh, the guy who oh, played right? him in the movie had hair. It's like, come on. <laughs> Couldn't you have shaved your head for the role? It was. I hope it wasn't like Lou Ferrigno or like somebody like a big bushel of hair. But, and he, okay. man, he managed the AAA Cubs for a while, and then um, Lou put him on his staff towards the end, 
Okay. Maybe the whole time. Maybe it was all three. So he wasn't even a Lou guy. He just like was sort of right, a He was an organiz- guy. Cubs organizational guy. Yep. I mean, Lou had Matt Sinatro. That's all he needed. So right. Could, so the two of them could get lost on their way to Cincinnati. That was great. Right. Vito and, from the Sopranos. <laughs> and Quaddy is the interim when Lou says, I've had enough of this shit. And, right. you know, like we said, he went 24 and 13. So the Cubs like, fine, you can be the manager. And he famously, he gave everybody hockey nicknames. He just added a Y to everybody's name. Everybody had a nickname. And he would yeah. he would never refer to anybody, even in interviews, by their real names. And some of them are really awkward, like Carlos Zambrano. You can't just add a Y. So it would either be like Carlosy or Zammy. It was like, no, that's not a thing. No. Those aren't real nicknames. Think on your feet, Mike. You just call him Big Z. It's not and, that hard. Uh, so there were, there were a bunch of veterans, like I said, and Dempster was chief among them who lobbied to Hendry that, you know, why don't you just, why don't we just hire this guy? Why, why isn't he our manager? Like we had success with him, you know, yeah. he's, and it's like, fine. Of and he had made a lot of friends with the players because he was really loose and he didn't have a lot of rules. And they show up for spring training in 2011 and everything's changed. This is his one shot to be a manager and he's going to do it his way. And all of a sudden they had actual rules and the players did not like it. And they were basically pissed at him from the very beginning. <laughs> And they were also terrible, and that's a bad combination of pissed players and bad players. You're going to lose a lot of games, and that's exactly what happened. You have just completely summarized the, the 2011 Cubs. The other thing I remember was, so he gets fired okay, unceremoniously after just one season. At the end of the season, yes. before a regime change, of course, right? Um, I right? would guess they I... hired Theo, and then Theo fired him. Okay, sure. And then, right. the, and no, then the Cubs right, went through right. that ridiculous the coaching search where they did the fake interviews. So like, Refresh Dale Spam and Mike Maddox, and who were the other finalists? Good recall. Good that would be a good thing to know, because it came down I think to Spam and Maddox, and they hired Dale. And they basically hired Dale because they thought he'd be good with the young players, and they pretty much knew that by the time they were good, Dale would be gone. It'd be irrelevant. Yes. And Quaddy did an interview, I think, oh, I should ask Paul. I don't think, I, I, it was either with Wittenmeyer and the Sun-Times or it was with Sullivan and the Tribune. He was fishing in Florida. He was, it was like wading out into the water and they had to go out with him. And they like describe it in the thing where they're like standing in the river interviewing Mike Quaddy about his time. The writers yeah. had to go out. <laughs> like that was an was Sullivan, it could have been him, he had to drown. There was like an affectation that he insisted upon, like follow me I out here. I think they maybe just like did it, and that it was going to add color to the story. Like they were going to interview him, and he was going fishing, so they just want, they waited out with him. I just I distinctly remember that. It could have been Sullivan because waist high water to Quaddy would have drowned poor Paul. <laughs> Had to be Whitmer. <laughs> but that was the end of Mike Quaddy. It's an end end of Mike Quaddy. It's an end of... Well, you know, it's uh, one of those things where a guy... I'm sure he had a two-year contract. I'm sure he made more money in those two years than he had. He's a baseball lifer. He'd be living off that money for the rest of his time. He um, felt like like Stan Sitwell on Arrested Development. I'm sure he went out and he bought a nice toupee and the fake eyebrows to go with it. (laughs) And uh, I don't know if you watched Arrested Development, but Ed Bigley Jr. Ed Bigley Jr.'s character was also hairless. And he had he had the fake eyebrows, and they would do these funny things like when he was surprised, Stan would actually like move his eyebrows up on his forehead. 
<laughs> so he looks surprised. Like he's Gene Shallot. Yes. Is that is that Netflix Arrested Development or old no, that was Fox original. Arrested Development? That was original Fox. I, I don't remember Ed Begley Jr. on oh, Arrested yeah. Development. Oh, yeah. Jesus. And I watched his, it. His so. daughter was um, uh, Ben Stiller's wife, right? The one who played Marsha. Uh, and she was dating. Yeah, uh, I forgot she her was, name. But she was Sally Sidwell. And she was dating um, um, Michael Bluth. So that's why the Stan show was like, yeah, on the show. Yeah. I remember that now. Yeah. She was dating Jason Bateman's character. It's kind of coming. There's a uh, lot. America has some amazing stuff. They had that whole arc with, uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus as the blind lawyer. She also dated Michael. I remember that now. Yeah. So anyway, wow. right. I'm going to circle back arrested development. Oh, I've done a rewatch at least. I've watched them all at least again once. They're amazing. They're, the, there are jokes that you did not even catch the first time. Much like the 2011 Cubs. Exactly. All right, we'll bring it full circle. So there you go, everybody. That was that was the 2011 Cubs, who got a lot of our time, oh, two hours of our time. Holy shit. That's way more than For, they deserve. They didn't deserve that, but it was, it was still fun. All right, well, next time we will spin the wheel again, and we won't ever have to talk about the 2011 Cubs. I'm excited about that. All right. Well, we'll see you next time, Mike. Thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes. 